Hey there, hi there, ho there. Welcome once again to another action-packed episode of Disney Compendium. I am your host, JJ, and over there is my good, good friend. I always try to think of titles for you related to the movie, but I just don't have... Uh, my, imp- my improv skills aren't good enough by the time I get in here. <laughs> hanger on. I'm, hanger I'm, on. Hanger on. My, my own little pig farmer, Nick, over there. Hi. How you doing, JJ? Are you I'm ready doing... to talk about Black Panther? Black Panther. This is, this is, we're going to put a timestamp on this episode. Uh, this is a time we're going to be talking about a world of swords and sorcery, wizards and dragons. Uh, and vibranium. <laughs> uh, uh, while some people are sitting around right now watching the season premiere of uh, Game of Thrones, we're watching the Game of Cauldrons. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's got magic and swords. There's a dragon in it. I mean, kind of a, at the very end, but it doesn't really have any <laughs> point to the movie. There's, they don't fight the dragon, really. But for some reason, like twice as much sex. It's so it's weird. It's weird. It's weird for a Disney movie. This is uh, this is this is the first PG Disney movie, and they just wanted to earn it, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, episode twenty-five, volume twenty-five. A nice good number there. We're getting close to the halfway point. <laughs> Four more episodes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great this mouth is, detective. This is uh. The Black Cauldron. It is the Black Cauldron. Uh, it is the Black Cauldron, July twenty fourth, nineteen eighty five. Uh, oh, what a magical year nineteen eighty five was. Nineteen eighty five. A lot, a lot happened in nineteen eighty five. I was born just a couple of months before this movie came out. <laughs> uh, I had just celebrated my fifth birthday. Yeah, but uh, also this movie happened. Yes, this movie. This and that's movie one thing happened. you can say about it. It happened. It certainly did. Uh, it, it, this was... Uh, I'm just going to get it out there right now. So remember last week when we were talking about uh, how uh, The Fox and the Hound was the most expensive Disney movie ever made at the animated film from the studio? Uh, ever? Hold my dole whip. Yeah, at uh, $12 million. It was the most expensive movie they'd ever worked on. This movie, with a staggering budget of $44 million. How? I don't know where that is on the screen, but it is there. (laughs) It cost a lot of money, I guess. This is the first Disney movie to be theatrically released featuring CGI. The Cauldron it, the, the cauldron in its entirety throughout the movie is CG. It's there's not a, a hand-drawn cauldron. And there's, there's a little fun. like uh, there's a little escape scene of CGI too. Yeah, yeah, and they do a little and, and a lot of like minor effects, things yep. that are like water and bubble effects and stuff tend to uh, be CG in there too. But uh, it's not the first movie to be worked on with CG. Next week's movie was actually started its production before this one. Um. And because they were using CG on that one, uh, you had um, the uh, the team on this one like, "Ooh, I like that. Let's let's do some CG in ours too." Uh, 
as if this movie didn't have enough problems, they yeah. throw that in there too. We, uh, we need to add more graphics. <laughs> um, 16 uh, megs, Black Cauldron. So, um, that, so you have that. That's a significant thing about this movie. So the plot, uh, CG, and this is the first film to be released under the Eisner era of uh, Disney. So uh, as you could imagine, things did not go well for this yeah, movie. It is, uh, a, it is a perfect storm of, oh, crap. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> uh, I don't even know to really where to begin with this movie because like by the time the movie was over i had already forgotten how it began so i had to rewind a little bit like because this movie travels and it travels fast (laughs) but it doesn't do it coherently it does not the the plot it takes a backseat to everything else going on in this movie because the heart of this movie really is is that you have the horned king out there being evil and spooky um you have a pig who turns out to be psychic (laughs) sure yeah he looks like he looks a lot like uh wilbur from the charlotte's web animated movie yeah it looks good when they they always like to give pigs like eyelashes. Like, why yeah. is that? <laughs> There's got to be something. Stop trying that... to make sexy pigs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the pig? Penwin is the pig name. Uh, you got, you got. Uh, uh, Taryn is the main Luke Skywalker of the story. AKA uh, Dirk. The... <laughs> yeah. Dirk. Dirk. Dirk Daring. Uh, um, <laughs> let's just let's just go ahead and get into it. This movie Zelda again. Yeah, this movie, yeah. But not like but like the CDI Zeldas. <laughs> yeah, no, yes, it is. Especially like, once yeah. we get the princess, like that's that's Zelda. That's just Zelda. Yeah, it's woo. Yeah, and, and he's just and Taryn is just so whiny always in this movie. <laughs> well, okay, so you told me via text like one of the main influences for this movie was Star Wars. Yes. And the whole part, the whole beginning where he's like, like annoyed about his lot in life. I'm like, and immediately I, I heard, but I was going to go to Tashi station. Yeah. I, yeah. No, the whole beginning, he's a, Taryn is a sad little farm boy who wants a better life for himself, who sees himself as, as being a hero, AKA, you know, like in Luke's case, joining, uh, the rebellion or, or in his case just becoming you know a dawn blue the video game character <laughs> so, he envisions himself wearing the gold armor from uh ghosts and goblins yes yes um, but he, so he's living with an old goth and i say an old goth because he's got fingers gloves yeah who makes him feed oatmeal to a pig i forget i absolutely forget almost with the exception of Terran. The princess, uh, uh, and I, I always forget. It's like Ellen, Ellen Wee. Yeah, Ellen? sure, whatever. Yeah, yeah that's good. And uh, Desmond Llewellyn, that's his name. Yeah. It, that's because yeah. he looks like Q. Yeah, like I don't know his name. I, I had to write it down, and because it's like, but then I write it down, and then I look at it, and I'm like, I don't know how to pronounce this. It's like Care Dalbin or something. Care Dalbin. Yeah, I'm like, uh, what? What is this name? 
Dalvin, I guess. Dalvin? Okay, sure. um, yeah. So that's how this movie begins. He's yeah, feeding the pig. He's feeding the pig. He's daydreaming about well, being a hero. Actually, that's the not pig. how it begins. We get the cauldron at first. Yeah, you get your typical Disney foreshadowing that they start yeah. off virtually every movie with. Right. Uh, but then, but, yeah. But then you're introduced to Taryn and the the I enchanter. <laughs> it's just yeah. like his slot in life. Um, but like the pig just starts freaking out, <laughs> which was which was very upsetting. I don't know why. Uh, maybe because it was the way he was trying to grab the pig. Yeah. I was like, oh no! Please stop that! Please stop yeah. doing that right now! Yeah, yeah, it's 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 weird. And the, yeah, the pig starts freaking out because the pig the pig has like psychic powers, and he can and. and I say he, but I'm pretty sure because of the eyelashes, it's a she. And it's named Henwen, so that makes sense. <laughs> that it's a they she. Really, they, I mean, they don't really ever name, they ever say he or her, so. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to put, I don't want to put a gender on the pig, JJ. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, Henwen, so the pig. Um, a, an can, asexual pig. Can, can see where the cauldron is. It seems oddly specific, but. How does how does a uh, old goth man know this? I th- he based on the ending of this movie, that was clearly he's like he's supposed to know. Like he just like, he's been grooming. Yeah, his dude for the whole time. Yeah, that's certainly how the ending implies <laughs> it. Um, I don't so. buy that. I don't. What? <laughs> I, I don't buy that. It's like, no, you're just like a yeah. weird old man. Yeah. But like he knew what the pig's powers were and had to stop the had to turn had the professor Xavier the pig's powers away. Remember, like it was like keep it, turn him off for a minute here. So <laughs> no more swines and then suddenly we're yeah. all gone. Um and then we get some maleficent looking dragons. Yeah, we do. Uh, aka Wraiths from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah that's like trying to trying to take it's uh, it's so funny this pig stuff because it just turns off at a point in this movie. Like <laughs> they just like all right, well we're done with the pig, so we need to figure out what's rest. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, they they take the pig because the pig kid knows where the cauldron is, and the horned king wants to know. Uh, where it is. Um, where this cauldron is, because this cauldron is very important. It is the one ring in this universe. <laughs> it is the, as you said, the MacGuffin. Yes. Um, well, it's funny because, like, you have the Black Cauldron and the pig, and yeah. it's like, you've got two MacGuffins in this movie. you you got the cauldron, which everyone wants to get, and you also have the pig, which everyone wants to get. <laughs> so... <laughs> it's a double <laughs> MacGuffin. Yeah. Um, Technically, it's a bacon McMuff- MacGuffin. <laughs> sausage, sausage McMuff- McGuffin with egg. Yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, he wants. So the Horned King wants to have the cauldron so he can raise his like invincible army of cauldron born. Yeah, which, which is you know an undead army essentially. Uh, yeah. There? It's yeah, it's yeah. I mean, he's so 
he's a lich. I mean, they don't say it out much, but like in fantasy literature, he's a lich. That's what they are. They're undead uh, wizards, essentially. Let's <laughs> and, uh, and let's if you and Go if ahead. you've seen Adventure Time, uh, the lich in Adventure Time is very much just this character, like this horned undead. Uh, uh, like Skeletor creature. Skeletor. I mean, he like he has the okay. staff with horns and everything. Like, eh, okay, Skeletor so, as well. <laughs> the way I so the, the appearance of the corn cake. I, I, I you kind of nailed it, but yeah. the best way I can describe it is is it's like a combination of Skeletor, <laughs> Mum Mumroff, like old man <laughs> Mumroff from Thundercats. And Prime Evil from the bad Funimation or Filmation <laughs> Ghostbusters. It's those three characters. Yeah. Or if you want to get modern, it is just the Lich from Adventure Time. It's, you don't have to combine three characters to get it. Roll, roll it to one character that should be painted on the side of someone's van. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a very cool looking character. I love like, the Horde King. It's the only thing from this movie that has really survived because the Horn King has appeared in other things later on. Like, it's just sort of like a background character or whatever. Like, you'll see, he, like, he's, like, I think I saw, like, he popped up in an episode of, like, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or something before or something. Like. Or, in, in one instance, which I'm sure you're going to talk about, terrifying Japanese people. <laughs> oh, boy. That's, yeah, we're going to get to that. And he's voiced by uh, John Hurt. Who has a great voice. That's a great voice. It's a very, very weird choice. Like, cause like, yeah, just a very weird choice for uh, a character for a movie in general yeah. from the studio. I don't understand where they were coming from with yeah. this other than this is just where the future of cartoons are going. But yes. it was uh, a if, bold move, but they quickly learned that it wasn't a Disney movie. I, I think John Hurst is the only celebrity voice really, right? Yeah, yeah. Most of them are just like two-bit comedians or just other voices, like actors of the time or whatever. So, not. not. Uh, if anybody's not sure who John Hurt is, he's the guy who has the burst, the chest burst alien. Yep. From the first alien, he's the <laughs> elephant man. Yeah, and and for my nerdier friends out there, uh, he's the war doctor from Doctor Who. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, John Hurt. Uh, yeah, just you, you, you certainly know John Hurt from something. You've seen him in a thing. Yeah, it's like if, like, whether it be, uh, like you said, the Elephant Man, uh, nineteen eighty four, right? The War Doctor, uh, uh, V for Vendetta. This wasn't his first first cartoon because he was in uh, Watership Down. He was a voice okay. of Watership Down and the Plague Dogs. Uh, and to tie things in, he was also the in the 1978 Night Lord oh, of the Rings cartoon. Yep. 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 Um, and what else? There was some, he was in the Hellboy movies. Uh, was he really? Yeah. Was, was he? Was he, oh, he was the because he was the priest, right? In yeah. The Hellboy. Yeah, 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 yeah. A a western movie that I love called The Proposition. Um, okay. Uh, an Australian uh, Western movie. Uh, so quickly down under. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, there's 
there's another movie that you're not nobody's allowed to talk about that happens to be uh uh the fourth movie in a very popular franchise <laughs> that uh, and, people like to pretend doesn't exist and that movie is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> oh, that fan movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, they, that they somehow were able to cast yeah. and and get that fan movie that they were somehow able to talk Steven Spielberg into directing and George Lucas to help write. Well, no, I, I, as I understand it, and they uh, had some kind of like blackmail material on them. They're like, you're going to do this movie. <laughs> God help I will, you. I will, I will sell you Star Wars in a handful of years if you let us do this. <laughs> you let us do this movie. Uh, but yeah, he was he was also in V for yeah. Vendetta. Um, yeah. Um, uh, Harry Potter. So you know, it's... if you want to know, like something that, like, when you're trying to remember parts from the movie and you just write take notes, um, you quickly learn. Like I said, with um, uh. Dalbin or whatever his name is from yeah. Taron. Uh, how about the bard's name? <laughs> um. Oh God, Melody Smurf is his name. Like Johan. It's Johan. Yeah, Fluter Flam. Fluter Flam. It is F F L E W D D U R F F L A M. You look at that written in your little notepad, and you're like, "Did I have a stroke? <laughs> why? Why is he Jeff Jarrett? <laughs> That's a lot of S there. Yeah. E yeah. T. We have talked about virtually. We've bar- we barely touched on the pig getting picked up by the Waverins or whatever the heck they are. <laughs> the, the race for Aiken for some bacon. Yup, 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 yup. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So the pig gets kidnapped. Yeah. Uh, and gets taken to. I don't know where the what is the horde because it's like his uh, fortress. It's, it's it's far less a castle. <laughs> fortress. It's 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 it was a castle. Yeah. <laughs> now it's this beat to hell looking. Yeah. Thing like it. It Strong. makes. Stronghold, I guess. It's like I guess, like, like like in Wind Waker, where it's just like this is this is the stronghold. It's not. Yep. It's clearly at one point was probably some sort of kingdom or castle, but now it's just this crazy island based <laughs> fortress. It, I mean, it's it's so shoddy and run down. Like it, it makes Castle Grayskull look like the Ritz Carlton. Yeah. So as we're as Taryn is on his way to the castle, we are introduced to the most important character in the movie for some reason. <laughs> uh, uh, Snarf dressed as Rip Taylor. Yeah, uh, Gurgi. Okay, and, sure. Yeah. Uh, Orko. Yeah, which is very clearly just a dog that's drawn to rock, walk upright. It's incredibly confusing because it really is like a terrier. Like, yeah. like, yeah. but like, but with human features, it's this very weird design for Disney. And apparently from what I read, because I never read the books on this, but apparently from what I've read that that's not really even what the character is described as. So it's just kind of Disney going rogue like it did on this entire movie. <laughs> from the sounds of things. Um, um, you're meant to love Gurgi. 
but you won't. Yeah, Gurgi, you feel towards Gurgi the same way Taryn feels towards Gurgi for the majority of the movie. Until the very end where Taryn's like, likes Gurgi. You, yeah, yeah. you don't get that. You yeah, won't get that. After Gurgi, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but so Gurgi is Jar Jar before Jar Jar. Yeah, Gurgi talks 100% exactly like Gollum yep. in the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies. Like, it, everything about it, the tone, the way he talks, you know, and the way Gollum he. Yeah, it's like. Like, you know, he's looking for food and he's got crunches and munches and stuff like that. It's like, you can hear Gollum in every single thing he says. Like, to, like as I was telling you earlier, to the point where I had to look it up to see if uh, Andy Serkis like, just stole that character. And it certainly seems, based on everything I read, that yes, this his his column is inspired by Gurgi. The voice? I the yeah. Voice is it's one hundred percent inspired by Gurgi from Black Aldrin, which is the most absurd thing I could possibly think of. I mean if nothing <laughs> else it gave us Gollum. So yeah. there hey there you go. Yeah. So But we don't get the uh, oh okay we're taking a taking a, a break for our Slurpee cups. Yeah. Mm. Right. I need it. I need it. We're talking too much. Psyduck. <laughs> Psyduck. Oh yeah. So, you don't get you don't get the you don't get the pleasure of uh, the video feed that me and Nick here. But uh, yeah. I, I I it was either Psyduck <laughs> or that weird duck with a sombrero. Yeah, whose name I can never remember. But it was like yeah. I, I think what, is, is Snubble the other one. The fourth one, I think. Uh, I didn't see Snubble. I only saw Sombrero Duck. Hi, welcome to our uh, Pokemon uh, fan cast. Welcome to our Slurpee cast. Yeah, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about bad junk food in Pokemon for the next hour and a half. So, JJ, (laughs) what three flavors were in the mystery Slurpee? I think grape and okay, sure. Vanilla, maybe. I think blueberry, maybe, or some kind of raspberry. Some sort of some sort of berry. Yes. Yeah. You can win Slurpees for free Slurpees if you guess all three. <laughs> I mean, that's an incentive. Anyway, uh, Black Cauldron, um, no Slurpee yeah. tie-in. Someone from no, very, very little tie-in. <laughs> uh, get to that One later. Thing. There's a there's a couple more things, but right. for the most part, for the most part, yeah, one tie-in, and it came out after the movie was. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so Gurgi is obnoxious trying to because uh, Taryn is trying to get the pig trying to mm-hmm. trick him with the apple while Gurgi is trying to take the apple and this this scene goes on for like two minutes like two yeah. two three minutes of of just fighting over an apple and it is the most obnoxious <laughs> scene it's like, that, it's like I, a scene from Empire Strikes Back where Yoda is like going through Luke's stuff yeah yeah. But without, without any of the charm of Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, he's just, it's just this whole thing until he, like, okay, I'll give you the, like, and I can't tell if Gurgi is, like, being facetious or really is having, like, a breakdown or something that he's making Taryn mad or if he's just trying to make Taryn feel bad or, like, when he's saying, like, you know, oh, yes, Gurgi deserves to be beat over the head or whatever, like, is he being facetious towards him? Is he trying to make him feel bad? Or is he really like, cause you can never tell what the voice that he's going with. 
for this movie. Gurgi Hart's pain. It's the only way he can feel. Yeah, it's it's weird. But he takes a bite out of the apple and then gives him the apple back. It's irritating, and then they get in a fight again. And <laughs> well, I mean, first he asks him, like, have you seen a pig? And Gurgi describes Henwin and then goes, nope, haven't seen her. Seen yeah, it. just... just Like, listen, dude. But it's just because that's just, like, one of the oldest, like jokes in the book like you know because you you get that all the time where you have like you see it in cartoons a lot or comedies where it's like they describe exactly what they're looking for they're like nope haven't seen and- yeah but but when bugs bunny does it it's funny yeah. when, he, when when gurgi does it he's like i hate you gurgi yeah and, and you want to be like gurgi lives are on the line <laughs> like let's let's reel it in and really actually help me find the pig <laughs> because but um, but yeah, eventually we get through. Eventually, Taryn has enough and just leaves. <laughs> and just uh, way to the out- way to the castle thing. Yeah, castle stronghold, whatever. Just call it a castle. Um, that um, that that goes about as good as you'd expect from this character. Yeah, he's he- almost like he's almost like immediately captured. <laughs> by uh the horn king's drunken goons yes yes uh just like yeah they should all have cockney accents but none of them do yeah they should all be soccer hooligans but none of them are they, just they should be- all sound like wade barrett yeah <laughs> i've got some bad news oh, i've got some bad news <laughs> but uh but no, none of that. It's like, oh, it's, you're yeah. watching the Black Cauldron. <laughs> it's, all, it's all Wade Barrett and Pack. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so he's thrown into Dungeon. Yep. And this is where you meet his, the rest of his ragtag group of rebels. <laughs> you beat uh, Princess Zelda. Princess Zelda and uh, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett, yep. <laughs> the Bard. Uh, yeah, well, he's he's the Bard to us. Yeah, yeah. For the purposes of, of JJ Sanity, he's the Bard. Yeah, for the Bard and um, Princess Elwini. Like uh, that's right. That yeah. sounds but, like Elwini. But boy, does she look like Zelda. Boy, does she. It's a very like, cute character design. It really is. Yeah. Like, it's really well done, and it's very charming, and, like, it, it feels like it should have had some staying power, because it's a very good... It looks like it's... It, much like yeah. Zelda, it looks very... It looks the most princessy that they've ever drawn up to this point. It, 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 we're kind of making fun of the movie, but up to this point, like, the animation is actually really good. Yeah, like this point is really well animated. Th- there's one thing that we'll say about this movie is that this movie is like it's almost more like a music video than anything where it's just like it's cool to just go through these scenes because yeah. even if the plot is sort of scattershot and in some cases non-existent, it's still like you find yourself like wanting to keep watching it. Because it looks good and it has a cool visual style to it, and it's very dark and it's very not Disney in some instances. Like, like any, like once you get to the castle here, 
the dungeon and stuff. It doesn't really feel like a Disney movie anymore. It, there's like uh, like rotting skeletons and yeah, threats yeah. of mur- just outright murder. Yeah, like like he they're like usually they use some euphemism or something, but you know, the Horned King is known to just say, "I'm gonna kill you." Yep. <laughs> he, he never once cracks a joke in the entire length of this movie. Nope. There's he's never, a humorless. He no, yeah, he's humorless. He doesn't crack a joke. He gets a little sarcastic at the end with the characters, but like not really. He's but like when he's God. making fun of them, like how are you gonna stop me? You know, a bard. <laughs> I forget what he called uh, the princess, but he used a very derogatory term towards her. I remember. I didn't I... write it down, but I was like, ooh, what? <laughs> yeah, he. Oh, wait, wait, I'll talk about his little green henchman too. Yeah, his little orc dude. Um, I. I... He looks like um, he looks like Marty Feldman from Young Frankenstein, so I just called him Igor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Igor to me. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so we're introduced to all of the characters. Uh, Creeper. His name's Creeper. Okay, sure. Um, what up? That's. I mean, it's not really a name. I think that's just what he calls him. The Goblin. Just a thing. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, so we're so we're in the in the dungeon or arrested, and you meet you meet Princess Zelda with her um, with her power of light. <laughs> yep, uh, he has to he has to uh, navigate her out of the dungeon. Yes, um, something that never happens in Legend of Zelda. No, always. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, he's he's helping her escape. Um, uh, they find the uh, burial chamber of a king, like yeah. <laughs> in this dungeon, when they find his sword, which super convenient. Yeah, yeah, they find the master sword in the dungeon of this. I <laughs> dude, it is a sword of time. Yeah, that it is like it, wow to. to it's did an, Nintendo rip this movie off? I mean, look, this is 1985, and Zelda would have come out 87. 87. So, I mean, I guess it's not too it's not too hard to think that maybe this movie would have been fresh in minds, and this movie would have been a big deal at the time. I mean, sure, so. especially like you you said, Japan had that. Uh, yeah, they had the theme park uh, attraction. Oh, this. good lord! It the thing we love so much is inspired by this weird ass movie. <laughs> but um. But yeah, I mean, the princess, especially like, yeah, this princess definitely feels very Zelda <laughs> in like later on versions where it's because she's not a damsel in distress in any way, shape, or form. No, um, she she's never she like she's caught, but like, at when you meet her, but like she's never really in much danger throughout, other than no more no more danger than the rest of the crew. So, <laughs> and we, we should clarify, she's like original and Zelda 2 Zelda. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. She's like, maybe, con- maybe like concept art Zelda. Yeah. Not, not, like and not, your, uh, not your Breath of the Wild, like, rustic Zelda. Yeah. But uh, but also very uh, unfortunately CDI Zelda with a, or, 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 or cartoon Zelda too. Yeah. A little, little snarky at times towards 
her hero, the hero of time. I wish at one point he just told her, said, excuse me, princess. I know. I probably would have turned off the movie at that point because I w- it would have been too much. You were like, <laughs> I can't handle this meta. <laughs> but yeah, they get the crazy sword that he can like, is he, is he controlling it psychically or does the sword just like uh, an empath sword where it's just like, I, I need to protect. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, at, at one point, I was watching the movie and I was watching with my wife, and she didn't get the joke. And I'm like, uh, he must have full hearts because it's shooting beams out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I don't understand what the sword's power set is other than it is a levitating sword. It is Hone Edge from Pokemon. It's just able to. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sentient sword. Yeah. Um, and they, okay, we'll get to that in a minute. Never mind. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they get the sword and they're able to just sort of like fight off <laughs> all of them, all of them with this, with, the, with this, with the master sword here, and that's yeah. where we meet. And that's where we meet the bard shortly. the The comic relief, I guess. Uh, I, except he's not character. funny. Except he's not funny, but they're trying to make him funny. Um, he's like a doddering old guy with a. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And, and then so you get. Uh, you get them trying to get out of the castle. Then uh they they hook back up with they hook up with Gurgi. Here's Gurgi yeah. again. Just when you thought you were done with Gurgi, here he is. Uh the princess um, seems to like Gurgi. Yeah. It's a dog. I mean, if if you didn't realize how irritating he was, you'd probably like him at first too. <laughs> but uh, um Sleep Henrin's yeah. trail, I guess is Gurgi helps yeah. them find the yeah. trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They pick back up on the trail, which leads them to the Smurf village. Smurf, Smurf village. Yeah, um, where they find it, where you find out that's where Henwen is. Yeah, um, they're the fair folk, is what they are in this movie. They're fair folk, but they are very much the Smurfs. They're just the Smurfs. Yeah, down um, to having one female character. Yeah. And their and their and their older character, older like mentor character, looking just like Papa Smurf. Yeah, it, this whole scene is designed to write this stupid pig out of the plot. It's like because like now you find out that uh, Papa Smurf here uh, knows where the culture is. <laughs> yep. Uh, so the pig is now completely pointless. To the point where they're just like, all right, well, we'll take the pig back to the farm. See ya. And there's the pig never to be seen again until the very end of the movie. Yeah. Where just like the post credit scene kind of thing in this movie. So the whole like first half of this movie was nothing. <laughs> this is kind of where you see it unravel from a production standpoint. <laughs> yeah. Like so, what the hell is happening in this movie? Yeah. So there, so there they go. Um, and they find out where the cauldron is. It's in the mm-hmm. marshes out there. They find they have all kinds of cauldrons where the uh, cauldron is. And this is where you're introduced to the three witches. Uh-huh. This uh, is where the PG rating comes in. <laughs> How about you get into the three witches, Nick? <laughs> all right. So we have witches. that They kind of file the stereotype. You get your skinny... <laughs> Your skinny one, you got your medium one, and you got your more voluptuous witch. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nintendo's she, ice hockey of witches. <laughs> she uh, she's in love with the bard. 
Oh boy, yeah, she is. She, she uh, she's uh, she's got big boobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah, I mean, and there's physics. <laughs> it's, this, I mean, it's like DOA jiggle physics here. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah, this is this is a Ninja Theory developed uh, Nintendo game here, or, like or, uh, fighting game over it's here, like, like for it, Disney. It, it makes. <laughs> It made, I mean, yeah, it made my blush. Like, oh, hold on, your back, your poor back. Yeah. Um, they're, I, I, they're also kind of me uh, like the fates from Hercules a little bit too. Yeah. 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 What's wrong with these feathers? Yeah. So, uh, yep, yeah, they uh offer to give him the black cauldron in exchange for the sword. Yeah. Um. They uh. They scare off uh, the Smurf that was tra- trailing with him. <laughs> yeah, after he gets stuck in her cleavage. Yes, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not not like that's that was the part. Like I was like I, I thought for sure that's where you're gonna go with it, but nope. Yeah, yeah. that that is a scene that happens. Like I'm yeah. not exaggerating. It just like yeah. he's just there, yeah. nestled in boobs. So yeah, this is where we learn. Like all right, so yeah, we'll. Uh, you can have the bl- yeah. You can have the black cauldron, but we need your uh, we need the master sword in exchange. We need the master sword first. Yeah, yeah. like we got like it's like a monkey paw situation where it's like all right, you get your wish, but <laughs> and of course uh, they're witches, so they're gonna betray it. They're gonna yeah. not live up to their end of it. Yeah, but if they it's not, but they don't like they do live up to because they give them the cauldron. It's not yeah. their fault that they didn't know that they couldn't destroy the cauldron, and they yeah. tell them how, and they tell them how to break the cauldron's curse. Yeah, like like they didn't really. <laughs> they're just witches, so they're jerks about it. But yeah. I mean, they held up their end of the bargain, like straight yeah, up. Just like you, you they're like here's the cauldron. You can't do anything with it. Yeah, it's like they just didn't tell them ahead of time that yeah. that you can't destroy it. They waited until they got the sword. Yeah, you have to. And, you yeah. can't use it until you throw Gamora into it. Yeah, yes, I mean... It, soul yeah, it, for a soul. Soul for a soul, yeah. Somebody has to willingly put themselves in the cauldron to break the spell. Right. Um, so, it's a, like, you know, it's it's the, it's the typical true act of heroism kind of thing. You know, true love's first kiss. All that kind of just, like, p- the purity of the soul kind of stuff that is so used to the magic spells and, like, especially Disney movies. Um, so you you can already kind of see where this is headed. Yeah, you would think. You would uh, think you know where this is headed. Yeah, but um, yeah. So they get their cauldron and with yep. nothing to do with it. Uh, Here it is. Yep. Oh boy, this is good. We just have a big black pot now. Yay! Yep. Time to make some stew. Um. Uh. So now he just now Taryn is just like I'm just a I'm just a big old dummy. What 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 did I what was I thinking? <laughs> and uh, he uh, he almost gets to first base with Zelda. Yes, because it's like and, no, we yeah, because it's like we believe in you, and there's almost a kiss and all that nonsense. Uh, come the wraiths. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, then the wraiths come in. The horned kings, uh, evil minions, come in. Um, uh, and uh, get the cauldron, and once again, t- the crew is arrested by the goons. <laughs> it's like, 
hey, Horde King, maybe just off them. It's like, why are you, why are you arresting them? Like, what, what are you gaining by them being around? But it's that Scotty will think, I'll get a gun, I'll shoot them right now. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It's just that he's gonna have to, and it's not like he's like a James Bond villain who has to give a uh, impassioned speech no. about his thing because he doesn't do a whole lot of talking other than like. You know, threatening creeper is ninety percent of his uh, audio work. <laughs> he has a weird Barton Homer thing with creeper. Yeah, he's, where he's really constantly throttling him, constantly strangling him, just two-handed strangling creeper. Yeah. And, and creeper like strangles himself at one point as punishment, like so yeah. he does, which is again because, upsetting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, because creeper put mothballs in the beef stew. Anyway, so yeah, um, Cauldron makes its way to uh, the uh, Horned King, and the the crew is arrested again, and the Horned King wastes zero time. Like, I'm going to chuck him into the Cauldron. Like, it is instantly he has raised his army yep. <laughs> with this Cauldron, his his army of undead deadites deadites yeah so his his plan is just i just want to kill everything right like it just seems like uh, this except for these three inexplicably uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like because you you never really other than he just wants to raise a, his undead army um there's no plan with anything yeah you don't. E- he doesn't even send them out. It's not like he's saying, "Now go seize the castle" or something. It's just, yeah. like, "All right, well, got my army. Let's <laughs> let's, let's march across this wooden bridge." Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and again, this you, you get to the point of the movie where it's just like, "All right, we have to wrap this up because this is like." five books and we're we're telling one of them and we're kind of coming in in the middle the the orchestra or this case probably Iser, is playing them off yeah uh because time to go home brother last act is this last the climax of this movie just like pow 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 it's like okay you guys are captured now here comes gurgi he found its way there and he frees Taryn, and Taryn is about to throw himself into the cauldron. Gurgi stops him. <laughs> Just, no, I don't have any friends. You have lots of friends. Yeah. And is getting ready to hurl himself into the cauldron. Um, he doesn't... <laughs> He doesn't really hurl himself in the cauldron. He's willing to go into the cauldron and then the structure that they're standing on breaks and he falls into the cauldron. Yeah. <laughs> which, which really takes the hero's death out of it. He's like, way. you know what? I'd say, ah! <laughs> uh, but so he falls in the cauldron. Whoosh. And now Gurgi's dead. Gurgi's dead. Gurgi threw himself into the cauldron gurgi uh this character that you're that you've has done nothing to endear himself to you has a hero's death uh, and you're like and so your only reaction is like all right all right good for you man all right well and well, this, this the spell starts reversing itself um the the army just starts falling off the bridge collapsing i like the scene where creeper and uh, the Horned King are in the hallway yelling at the skeletons. Yes. <laughs> it's such a good thing. 
like picking up a skeleton by like the scruff of his neck and yelling at it and shaking him. And stuff. Like it's a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just and creepers even doing it too like give something it's, it's a very it's 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 funnier than it's supposed to be but it's just it's a it's, it's a hilarious scene um so it is unclear to me exactly what's happening in this scene because it's like it's reversing the spell right and it's creating and it's creating like a vortex of energy into the cauldron uh, and so, like, Karen is trying to hold himself in from, like, grabbing onto a pillar so he doesn't get sucked in. But then, like, the Horned King is like, no, man, I'm throwing you in there, and, like, grabs him and throws him down. It seems like it's inconsistent with how the cauldron is sucking things in. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, he's giving, like, a kind of a monologue to Taryn, but then all of a sudden he just, like, instantly starts freaking out because the cauldron is now pulling him in. Yeah. <laughs> like, without and- any, like, without any sort of like break in between it. It's just like sudden. Yeah. <laughs> and and so boy, starts, yeah. When it sucks him in, it is grisly. It is. It's, it's easily Disney's most grisly uh, character death ever. Like to this day, because the camera doesn't cut away. Usually like most times, most character deaths like tend to like cut away or there's like, like, or even in the case of the Lion King, you don't see him get trampled, but you do see the animals and you see dust cloud. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. This one, it really is. Like, he's clinging to the edge of the cauldron as his skin is getting torn off his body, yeah. like his dead skin or whatever. Like, he is a zombie, essentially. His but. dead cells. <laughs> but yeah, he's just like getting just like this ultra grit. And as he's screaming and angry. Yeah, it's almost like it, tote level. Yeah, it's yeah, it is genuinely like oh, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> he he pretty much melts in the cauldron. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, it sucks him in, and now the cat, you know, so the horned king is destroyed. Uh, creeper is like, oh god, oh god, oh wait, yay, I'm free. <laughs> And so he gets off. The castle is doing its typical ocarina of time. You defeated the evil. Also, now you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> so they get out there, and um, as the castle's collapsing, and when they're escaping, they they come across. They find the boat or the whatever the vessel that's right. down there, and then they like notice as they're going through, they notice that. Oh, the gate is unlocked. It's locked. You got to get the chain off the gate. Did you notice immediately thereafter the chain was still on the gate? <laughs> I did not. He, so he takes the chain off. The camera pans back as they're doing other stuff, and he's like rocks and stuff are falling, and the chain is still on the gate. <laughs> and, and then they do another pan, and when they finally see the boat moving, it's open and everything is in there. It's like, oh man. So you screwed that one up. You screwed up that continuity. It just. It's a, like a quick little thing, but like I, I immediately was drawn to it. The black cauldron is also a locksmith on the side. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So they get out of there. They break free. Um, and <laughs> they, where, like I forget where they find themselves. Like they get on their, they make landfall eventually, right? Like yeah. 
and then yeah. we're, well, they, we're into the witches again. Yeah, when they, after they make landfall on their little boat or whatever, the witches yeah. come up and they're like, "All right, well, that was interesting. Give us the cauldron. We're taking the cauldron back." <laughs> um, and they're like, uh, "You're not taking the cauldron back. You need, we need to make a we need to make a bargain here." <laughs> um, and they're like, "Well, technically, yeah, but uh. yeah." So they try to give them the sword back. But Taryn doesn't accept it because he wants Gurgi back because which, he sacrificed himself. Which, okay, uh, I, so uh, so inevitably, finally, just like, all right, fine. Here's the stupid dog. After uh, after the bards, like you guys aren't powerful enough. Yeah, yeah. After playing, it's like it's like, oh, I get it. You 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 can't bring him back because you're not powerful enough. And he just pretty much like duck seasons them. Yeah, duck season, rabbit season kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you get the uh, yeah. So they 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 finally just take the cauldron and plop Gergi's just limp corpse onto the beach. Um, <laughs> it's uh. It is a very well animated dead body. Yeah. <laughs> when he picks up Gurgi and it's just limp <laughs> and motionless. Where did they resurrect Gurgi from? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, like, like where did his body come from? It's he's what's... clearly he's clearly dead at first, and I don't know what Taryn like. He's like shoving his face, like crying into Gurgi, but it's very awkwardly animated. Like, yeah. It's like, like you barely know this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but oh, surprise, surprise, Gurgi's alive. Because um, he tries, because he tries reaching into Taryn's shirt, trying to find the apple from earlier. Just crutches and munches. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Gurgi's back. Uh, <laughs> forces uh, Link and Zelda to kiss. <laughs> yep. Uh, and they all four just walk off into the sunset. Uh, and, and the old guy and Henrin are like are watching it from their creepy farm where this all was orchestrated years ago. They're watching it from the pot of Kool Aid. Like, cool, everything is as I have foreseen it. Like, no, no, like, no. Trust me when I tell you, based on the production of this movie, it was not. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, boy. Let's talk about. I feel like. A giant can of worms was opened up with this ending because you've undone everything. Yep. <laughs> like that should theoretically bring the horned king back, I would think, or restore the power to the cauldron because you basically uh, used the infinity gauntlet <laughs> to, to reverse time. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like a the sequel to this is how devastating uh, the the space time continuum. <laughs> Is being left from the horde here <laughs> comes back like yeah. as yeah. like a super shredder like or something yeah yeah apparently the horned king isn't like the main villain of the books like it's just like a minor villain not even minor but you know, like a mini boss you know okay <laughs> yeah so, um uh yeah that's if that movie sounded like we were disjointed and confused <clears throat> at what happened it's because that's how it is. It's disjointed, and we are relatively confused as to what happened throughout that movie. It it's, is nonsense. Eighty minutes of what? Yeah, it's eighty minutes of just going from like 
it's like a stage play. It's just like, okay, actors, okay, on to the next stage scene or whatever. It's without but any the, rhyme or reason to why they're there most of the time. But like not a good stage play. Yeah. Like, like one of the ones that you see from like your local theater troupe at the melodrama. Like, yeah. oh God. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's the local improv troupe of trying something new. Okay. Uh, Who in the <laughs> audience has a thing? Yeah. Where, what's, I need somebody to name us a, a job. Prostitute. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, like we, we need a job. Pig farmer. All right. Pig farmer. We got pig that. Farmer. We that. Yeah. Now a location, like, you know, turn of the century. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, boy, uh, it's crazy. It's a crazy movie. It's gorgeous and beautifully animated. I kind of love it. I I told you when I was when I was watching, like I kind of like this movie. Yeah, I I recognize it as not good, but also like this is, a, this is one heck of a movie to watch. Like it, it, it there's just limitless potential with it. That it goes mostly unrealized, except for like the character designs and, and everything. So you know, it's. Uh, it's I think. It's... I think I think most of frustration with the movie comes from more of a what could have been standpoint. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, the the actress that plays the princess in this. Um, not particularly like you look at the casting of a lot of these things and John Hurt's like the biggest name in it. Um, she's, she's done voiceover stuff before, but mostly for like um, children's things like uh, uh, muzzy, like British stuff. Weird. Like, okay. Yeah. Like nothing, um, not, nothing major, like two movies ever. The Black Cauldron and a 2000 uh, movie called Einstein. So, but not not about Albert Einstein. Oh, Einstein. <laughs> I, I like that really got really weird stop motion Einstein. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like and um, uh, who else? I'm trying to think of like uh, uh, the guy that played um, Taron doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. So that tells you something. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'm gonna pull up IMDb here. God, yeah. that even that clip looks like Zelda. Karen's like dressed in green. Yeah, and and uh, Jeff Jarrett in this was uh, um, again just like yeah, he's been in some stuff, but again, very British. So a lot of stuff that we don't. Oh no. Okay, so Flim Flam is is Nigel Hawthorne. Yes. So he is. Uh, so I'm uh, looking at his Wikipedia or his IMDb. Yeah. You, know, you, you know what stands out to me? <laughs> he's he's the dude. He's like the uh, weird like cult leader priest guy from Demolition Man. <laughs> All right. He's, sure. He, he Doctor Raymond. Yeah, he's the guy who like recruits Simon. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's like, yeah. 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 There you go. So Demolition Man. Yeah. Also. uh, 
for you, you'll. I looked at his video games section, and he's the voice of Professor Porter in the Disney's Tarzan uh, computer game from for the nineteen ninety. Oh, great! They made a they made a video he's game not, off a he's, terrible he's, movie. He's not in Tarzan. He's just in the Tarzan <laughs> video game. Well, I mean, can you blame him for not wanting to be in Tarzan? <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, not. Not not a massive cast, but you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna. I mean, besides hurt, you're not gonna really. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a fun movie. I, I like. Yeah, I like it's, this movie a lot. Um, it feels like a, a mid '80s movie. Yeah, I I just looked up the guy that plays Creeper in it. Yeah. Um, he's the guy that does the voice of Creeper is a um, a dwarf actor. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he is best known for his performance in the horror comedy Bordello of Blood. <laughs> okay. As well as his roles in The Black Cauldron, Troll, and Willow. Uh, well, oh, <laughs> he so is, he's who's he in Willow? I, I, I'm, I'm trying to. I, I'm trying to see if it says where he is in Willow. Uh, because it doesn't have like his filmography listed on his Wikipedia page, so. Because um, that had uh, that had Warwick Davis and Billy Barty in it. Yeah, he was he was he was an Ewok in Return of the Jedi. Okay. <laughs> uh, he was a friend of Michael Gerber in the Disney Sunday movie Fuzz Bucket, which I I absolutely recognize Fuzz Bucket. <laughs> uh, he appeared in Troll. In 1970, he played Sir Nigel Pennywhise in Ghoulies 2. Okay. Greasy Greg in the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Oh, good lord. <laughs> in, 1990, uh, in 1988's Willow, he appeared alongside Warwick Davis. That's all it says. <laughs> he's, he's there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and he had a recurring role in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which I absolutely, as Roland, which I absolutely remember. Uh, so... So, you know, just a prominent <laughs> actor. From- I guess a prominent. Yeah. I mean, he, he sure. got his, he had his SAG card. Yeah. That's the important yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, and he got a Disney movie under his, under, under his credit. So, so yeah. So, <laughs> oh, where to start with this movie? Let's talk about like the production of it because it was an absolute mess. Um, I'm going to lay out, let you run through this nonsense. Yeah. So they bought the rights to these books in the seventies, early seventies. Um, and they started working on it, um, like in 1973, from what I recall. Um, uh, Ollie, John, Ollie and uh, Frank and Ollie were the ones that were sort of like, uh, like we got to do this one. Like this can be, this can be like the next big Disney thing. If we do, if we pull this off, this will be huge for us. Um, but you know, it's a multi-book series. It's five books. Like, where do you start with something like that? Like, uh, you're, you're gonna have to just like commit to it, and they clearly never did. Um. Th- what was it? I think it was Ron Miller 
Ron Miller was the one that shelved it, which was mm-hmm. pre-Eisner. Ron Miller was um, Walt's son-in-law who took over as CEO of Disney after he passed. Um, and it was just like, no, we can't do this movie, right? This there, There's there's too much going on. The animators can't, there's, there's like, it's just not there yet. Um, so, uh, it's like a release date was basically, was eventually like switched. So it was like, we're gonna have to put things off. So it was going to come out as Fox and the Hound, but then Fox and the Hound got pushed forward while they kept working on this movie after they finally picked it back up. And, um, like, I, it, like 78 is when they decided like this will be our 84 movie because they plan things out like a decade in advance sometimes long-term booking yeah it's just really what it is um the because at the time the studio didn't wasn't good at animating humans um that because they just focused like think about all the movies we've been working on uh for these shows recently it's all mostly animal based and like even Fox and the Hound, like the the humans sort of they are what they are, but they're not. The <laughs> they kind of follow a, a Disney formula yeah. from like ten years before, actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's just so hard because up until like Eisner takes over. This movie is just sort of in production. There's like it's like figuring things out. They're doing storyboards. They come back like, no, this is terrible. We can't do this. We we have to do like we have to do something else. Okay, put Fox and the Hound in there while we figure out human stuff. And it, it's it's just a mess from the get go. Do you think uh, that's what contributed to the budget? Oh, absolutely. This movie was like it was a stop and go nightmare. Um, like out the gate, like once they started, started it out and everything, it, it was just stopping. <laughs> um, I think this one's based off of like the first two books or something, like yeah. vaguely, kind of, not really, but this, it's does mostly... this make you want to read the books? No, I, I've I've said it before. Uh, sword and sorcery, like fantasy fiction, is really my cup of tea for the most part. So, which is funny considering that's like the bread and butter of Disney stuff early on, but it's kind of different. It's it's a different kind of fantasy, and very rarely is there a lot of like it, it that never really focuses on the action aspect of things or the or like the the politics of a, a sword and sorcery universe or whatever. You know? so, yeah, yeah, but um, uh. But yeah, so, you know, and, and just one of those things, like, the original creators were having problems, so it's like, alright, we're just going to start working on Great Mouse Detective instead. <laughs> um, uh, so, she was, uh, what is it, the Princess Elwani? <laughs> I forget what the- <laughs> uh, I, I can't pronounce it. Yeah, I, I can't pronounce it. Either. Yeah. But they, they, it's like, they eventually, once, they, once the animators started getting back into the groove of like human characters and are like designs are tossed out left and right. Just like these, you know, like Tim Burton submitted some character designs. I'm like, no, no, these are, nope. Yeah, uh, he's not, uh, he's not credited, but 
Tim Burton was also he also did Pee Wee's Big Adventure the same year this came out too. So yeah, and also this movie is credited to um, why he ditched traditional animation entirely um, because it was just a miserable experience working on this movie. And it's like I mean, after this, if Tim Burton's working on animation, it's stop motion. Like that's his passion. This is what we get. Yeah, Frankie Weenie and Corpse Bride and. Uh, uh, Christmas, yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas, and all that stuff. Because, like, yeah, th- this movie was so terrible for him, his experience for him that he ditched. Just tra- like this killed traditional. Uh, it, it's like CM Punk in professional wrestling. He worked. I worked for WWE, and he, it ruined wrestling for me. So now, I'm, now I'm I'm a mixed martial artist now. <laughs> so. Well, although t- although Tim Burton had more, at least some Burton, at least Tim Burton had some success in his post career. Yeah. Uh, as a uh, as an animator, although Alice in Wonderland is is his Mickey Gall, <laughs> but uh, but uh, but CM Punk also has done some decent comic books, which I guess would be like his, which would be Tim Burton's. Uh, hey, and, and I think he hosts like one of the <laughs> Ultimate Beastmasters or something like that. Yeah, and he's got a movie coming out, so you know, eventually, you eventually things. You know, you're not not everything's going to be a home run. No. Yeah. <laughs> You know, for you know, for every Nightmare Before Christmas, you're gonna get an Alice in Wonderland. It's bound to happen. Yeah. The best of us. I mean, look at Disney made a bunch of great movies, but then they also made the Fox and the Hound. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, the uh, yeah, everything like you just read about like if you if you if you look at like making of things, you just read like this character, this guy submitted this character design. They hated it, so they won it, so they gave it to this guy, and he fixed it up, but they still wanted more. It's like the Horned King was too gaunt, or something. <laughs> so they put a hood up over him, or something. <laughs> and, it's like, and then they gave him red eyes, and like, you know, it's all that. Um, it, it's Princess Aurora. Uh, the princess in this movie, they eventually kept redesigning until she's basically just Princess Aurora. Like, if you, if you compare her to Aurora from... Um, uh, Sleeping Beauty, Ryder right. Rose, or whatever you want to call her. Um, she looks exactly like her, um, just with shorter hair. So, for the longest time until I, you know, we really got, got in this podcast and I started talking yeah. to you, I always assumed that this was a Don Bluth movie. Because oh, no, it, it, it looks it like a Don Bluth movie. But, I mean, and you got to kind of wonder if, like, if that's just where animation was at the time. And that's why like Don Bluth has that style because he was like, that's where he was like, cause what, like he find he tuned his art style at the Disney studios before he went off on his own and Disney movies, like even ones where he was kind of vaguely involved in the look like Don Bluth movies. Yeah. So it's hard to tell like, you know, chicken and an egg thing. Like does Don Bluth stuff look like that because that's what Disney stuff was, or does Disney stuff look like that because that's what Don Bluth was doing, and they just sort of adapted to that because he was a good artist, or or is it a bit of both? And well, clearly, I mean, it's and clearly it's like a bit of both in in an instance. Like this movie, like he's not there anymore, but he's clearly this is what's in, like what's being influenced at the time. Like because you know, well, Secret and Secret and Nim was out. Eighty two, yeah. So. Well, it's your question. This movie was in production for a long time. Do you think he had worked on it at all? Oh, uh, I don't think so because the movie wasn't really. I, he wouldn't have been on the team, like if it was a Frank and Ollie out the 
bit at the gate, I don't think he would have been on the Frank and Ollie team at the time. Okay. That would have been the experienced team. And he would have been on the, the B team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually this movie became a B t- the B team movie. Uh, or not, no, this movie eventually became like, you know, because everyone left, became like the B team working on everything. Right. Uh, but, but they didn't really change a whole lot. They were still doing the A, B stuff because they were working on Great Mouse Detective at the exact same time this movie was being developed. Uh, because for animation wise, they introduced, um, in a, this movie introduced animation photo transfer uh, process, which is a way of like, it's kind of like the evolution of Xerox where they're able to like, you know, use transfer paper essentially to create the backgrounds and stuff. And so er- streamline that process. Everything kind of takes on like a color form just look. Yeah. Like um, and um, uh, and then also this movie features CGI, which we mentioned earlier. It's not the right. first. It's not the first one, uh, but as we said earlier, this is they, it, they were doing them at the same time. So Great Mass Detective was is the first to use it, but it didn't <laughs> come out first. It right. comes out after this movie, um, but this is the first one that comes out to theaters using CGI. Um, this movie has. A very, um, it's it's got a very notable story that goes along with it. Um, that's probably one of the most um, like commonly recited stories of where Disney was in the '80s after Michael Eisner took over. Mm-hmm. So Michael Eisner took over, and um, it was it was Michael Eisner with. Um, but Jeffrey Katzenberg was like his like you know underling. It was his creeper too. Michael Eisner was the Horned King, and Michael yeah. Katzenberg was his creeper. Uh, so um, he was like uh, just freshly appointed chairman of Disney. You know, he was like a studio chairman, Katzenberg, and um, they do a test screening of the movie. And the story goes that um, uh, Roy Disney was relatively like he was like, we can't like, you know, he's like, oh, that's well, what if we did something else? Kind of like, you know, he was a little more uh, accepting of it. But clearly you could tell there was a issue with this. He he was more diplomatic. He was more diplomatic about it, um, that it was just so dark. Um, but Katzenberg, uh, there, there's not a bone in his body that can be diplomatic. Um, uh, they thought it was just way too intense. The the scene, the scene in question is the cauldron born, in particular, when the dead are rising and everything. Right. Fine. That's a very intense scene, and kids are going to hate that scene. Um. Uh, and apparently that was kind of the case. Like kids were leaving, like were crying at showings of this movie. And would, like leave. Um, but <laughs> but uh, Katzenberg demanded the movie be edited. Like you have to edit out, you have to cut out these scenes. And there's <laughs> the animators like that's not that's not how this works. You can't just go in and like like a movie and cut up. So there's a cohesive plot. Yeah. You just can't cut things out and tape them back together 
and yeah. considered like because like the way animation works, it just you can't do that, Jeffrey. And he's like, I can do that. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Katzenberg goes into the editing bay himself and starts cutting up the movie. Uh, the way the movie was made, so the way they did things, uh, it, it's like they're edited in storyboards. You take the storyboards and you edit it that way. Right. Um, because uh, you can't, because once once it's shot on the film, you cut something up and it's, it, you, you can really mess up the animation itself. I mean, weird cuts and stuff. With yeah. film and stuff, you can sort of line things up a little differently when it's live actors and you can do fade ins and fade outs. You know, you can use and, and you have different camera different angles and different whatever. camera angles and like yeah, you know, multiple takes even for things yeah. that you can cut in to help. But you can't do that with a cartoon. And, and so they eventually they're like um, the uh, <laughs> Hale inevitably calls um, Eisner and is like, "You have to do something." He is in <laughs> the editing bay, destroying the movie. He is cutting up the movie. Uh, and so Eisner calls Katzenberg and is like, "Get out of there! Stop it!" Uh, but I, but you, but you got to get out. You just stop it. You have to go. You're 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 ruining the relationship with the animators, first of all. Um, but you know, Katzenberg was still unhappy with the movie altogether, and demanded the movie be changed in many ways. So. The movie was supposed to come out in Christmas that year, but they pushed it to when it came out in uh, the summer of 85. Summer of 85. Yeah. Um, apparently 12 minutes were cut from the movie. <laughs> and they've like, never resurfaced in any form? Um, yeah, for the most part. I think bits and pieces might have, but, you know, you know, Katzenberg went in there and cut the hell out of some stuff, so... Um, and well, most, you know, of it, most of it was cauldron born stuff. So we got a, we have the 40th anniversary coming up in what? Six years. Yeah. Yeah. Now that would be the time to throw that stuff in there. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, it, so it's a story that everyone tells about sort of where the studio was at the time and how these people had come in who knew nothing about cartoons trying to tell a bunch of animators how to do their jobs and it's it's it, it tends to be one of those stories that goes around as to like this is what the eisner era of disney was um just like corporate guys corporate, just like you yeah. don't know how this works but we're gonna tell you how it works I, with money yeah we've had we've had successful uh movies before we know how to make successful movies so this is how you make successful movies and uh, you know at the time at this stage in disney with michael eisner frank wells was there it was a it was a joint thing you had eisner and frank wells um so they worked very well together um unfortunately frank wells died in a helicopter crash in 94 and uh things things get a little hairy after that yeah. um particularly between eisner and katzenberg um after wells's passing I, I i don't know if it'll be able to fit in in some ways but after 
Wells's passing, Katzenberg wanted that position. Um, and there was a there was a contentious point. Like that's what inevitably led to Katzenberg's dismissal from the studio and going uh, into DreamWorks. Well, didn't Katzenberg like famously not want to do Lion King? I, yeah, I mean, Katzenberg. Well, I remember the story yeah, about him not wanting to do it. Yeah, yeah, I, he didn't. Katzenberg didn't ever want to really do anything that wasn't like <laughs> his idea. So we'll get to that at a point because uh, he he does play a role in several movies going forward. Him and Eisner, um, especially with budgets and <laughs> and stuff. So. It's 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 so hard to be angry at Katzenberg because he was jerked around by yeah. Eisner and team, but also at the same time, Katzenberg is also sort of well known as being just sort of a beast to work with, um, especially during his. You know, he wanted to make a name for himself at Disney, and can't blame him for that. But he went about it in a in a rough way with the an- animators, making enemies with the animators, and especially making enemies with um, Roy Disney. I, and during all of this, you know, Roy Disney, who was at, you know, he was the son of Walt's, you know, brother Roy, not right. the original Roy, but uh, uh, and the treatment that they gave Roy um, was inevitably their downfall. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, uh, I mean, Katzenberg. Even when he went to DreamWorks, he he that rep followed him, and he still had. Oh a, yeah, yeah, he yeah. still had that rep, and he he was gonna always have that rap and that reputation behind him. But um, but Eisner, I but Eisner's reputation will forever be like in the public eye, be tarnished by what he did and every mistake he made at Disney. And you know, out the gate, it was you know this movie. The Black Cauldron, which, as we said, uh, uh, $44 million budget, its box office is $21 million. It didn't even make half of its money back. So saying it was a failure is an understatement. Oh, and it was such a failure. Like, during a lot of – during around this time, you're looking at the animations department wasn't making money. It was always on the verge of being shut down. Uh, the studio was always on the verge uh, of being bought out, you know. Which is crazy to think about in 2019. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things uh, Michael Eisner gets credit for, is that he staved off a uh, Viacom buyout for for Disney. Like, you know, it was a big deal. He was able to, you know stop that from happening and sort of save the studio but at the same time he also created some disastrous situations for the studio things like you know they lost pixar at a point um you know which at this point in time clearly pixar's you know that technology is on the rise or this is when uh, steve jobs was at pixar right yeah or um what else you know the whole euro disney debacle at a time where the studios were making more money than they've ever made. Uh, they're losing 
just as much because of some bad business decisions in Disney theme park expansion. You know, Euro Disney was a failure. Hong Kong Disney was a failure. They tried to do um, Club Disney and Disney Quest expansions that were failures. Um, the Club Disney one is hilarious. Or like, and the Disney Quest in particular is hilarious because it is very clearly Disney. It's very clearly Michael Eisner wanting to just be petty as all get out against um, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Because the Disney Quest stuff was happening at the same time, GameWorks were popping up. Uh-huh. And what's the connection with GameWorks to Jeffrey Katzenberg? <laughs> yeah, DreamWorks, yeah. GameWorks. There you go. Yeah, it was a joint between DreamWorks and Sega. Sega, yeah. And yeah. Who also made some questionable decisions during this period. <laughs> during the 90s, during the mid 90s, Sega made some quite uh, preposterous uh, decisions. <laughs> so, uh, bad time for big businesses on top of the world. But, uh, but yeah, this, you know, it's a, it's Michael Eisner not, uh, not not getting out of the gate real nice in terms of the animation studio stuff. Not uh, entirely his fault either. Not entirely his fault, but um, uh, but unleashing Katzenberg into the animation studios was hundred uh, percent his fault. Was hundred percent his fault, and you know it's un, like it, it's not like it's not like those twelve minutes we're going to save this movie, but I think the chaos that comes in like. When you you have a, um, you know, management change on top of also having this management telling you this movie cannot be released this way, but also offering nothing to help fix it, you know, like my like Katzenberg's plan was to cut stuff out of the movie, which like that was going to fix anything, <laughs> so and, and, except and make point. it less spooky. Well, also at this point, you know, we talked about uh, Secret of Them. So yeah. for the longest time, Disney had been like, okay, we're the animation studio. We yeah. This is our crown. And all of a sudden, here comes Don Bluth. Yeah. We're like, okay, well, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe now yeah. they have a strong contender. Yeah. Um, and And there's some, and there's some, like, serious, like, insult that goes on with the release of this movie so uh, movie came out in 85 uh it cost 44 million dollars to produce like yep. we said it was a 44 million dollar budget which is insane at the, like 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 we said last night like like we said at the beginning of the show um fox and the hound was a 12 million dollar budget and that was considered the most expensive disney cartoon ever made mm-hmm. and so this you know not even doubles it like you're tripling <laughs> Almost the fuck. you know what i mean like uh it made 21 million dollars so uh it was a major loss and um it's t- to this day people like me who like read disney stuff and know everything about the ins and outs of that studio can mm-hmm. know that this is the movie that is it's dubbed the movie that almost killed disney they were on the verge of shutting down the animation studio because live action film and television were a big thing for Disney at the time. 
Right. And wonderful Disney and television stuff and live action movies were huge. And we'll get into some of the movies that came out in 85 later on. And some of them are Disney films. Um, you know, it wasn't even the highest grossing cartoon of the year. You know what movie beat this movie? Care Bears. Care Bears. Yeah. The Care Bears movie made $23 million. So. <laughs> uh, it's also like a weird time. Like, you know, you have so many more things that, that kind of vie for people's attention. So now you have cable television. People, more people have cable at 85. People have VCR so they can go rent movies. Yeah. And about. You can, you can go see a better Disney movie on yeah. your own. <laughs> in, a, in about three months, you're going to have the Nintendo come out. Yeah. So, you know, it's so it, there's just things that like, eh, I don't have to go to the movies. I don't want to. The experience is not there as it, you know, like it used to be. Yeah. Um, and this is also noted as uh, after this movie came out, the animators were moved out of the uh, Burbank studios to Glendale. So, <laughs> so not not a great time to be an animator at Disney. Um, but uh, in the mid nineties, they get to come back to Burbank. So the mid nineties, after they've had a string of massive successes, they finally get they're finally allowed back <laughs> to the yeah, in, like, into back, the, friend. Yeah, and, and back, they're they're able to sit at the big kids' table yep. at <laughs> Thanksgiving now. You, so, you got us away from the iceberg, so yeah, so. Um, yeah, uh, poorly received at the time of release, except by one critic. Absolutely loved this movie. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> Close. Roger Ebert. <laughs> Roger Ebert loved this movie. Like, really? Yeah, he genuinely like thought this movie was great. Um, he, he, I think he gave it. Oh, was it? I can't remember how many stars exactly. Um, let's see if I can see it right now. Let's see. Uh, this like, I think you're saying. Yeah, three and a half stars. He gave this maybe three and ah. a half stars ah. out of four. He ah. loved this movie and like, I, like I think he called it like like the best movie since Pinocchio or something. The <laughs> like, best Disney movie since Pinocchio. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, a. Huh. And and his review has some fun things in it. Uh, the story was so involving uh, that one moment, allegedly mature adult in the audience leaned over to me and whis- whispered, uh, "But but Raj, if the pig is really psychic, how come they just can't find out where the cauldron is and get there before the king?" <laughs> A good point, but a better point is how long has it been since anyone took a Disney cartoon seriously? <laughs> so I, I'm sure if nothing else, it was good for back of the video VHS box blurbs. Yeah, he. Uh, so yeah, Roger Ebert loved uh, the Black Cauldron, which is just kind of a funny little like every once in a while there's that one thing that uh, Roger Ebert loved this movie that everyone hates because he also because just like anyone, Roger Ebert loves bad things every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I said for, for some reason, I thought you were going to say Gene Shalit because he loved everything. Yeah. Well, he just wrote every review. He just, what, whatever his uh, humorous headline was is how he would write his review, whether it be positive or negative. So. <laughs> More like lack cauldron. 
exactly. Um, uh, and obviously, like Katzenberg had his after it came out. Like, like of course it wasn't good. It didn't have any humor. There was no music. There was no. Anything. I wasn't directly involved. Yeah. Um, but uh, the story had been a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and it was heartbreaking to see such wonderful material wasted. And it's, you know, yeah, I can see that. Uh, I mean, they could still do it if they wanted yeah. to, in yeah. theory. But, I, but, like, you know, and people that went to go see the movie hated it because, A, it was an incredibly dark Disney movie, and, B, uh, people like familiarity with Disney. And there's not even a song in this movie. No. Nope. <laughs> And there's barely a soundtrack. Yeah, it's a uh, so people, you know, people hated it. Um, the, 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 the score was very well received, like, but mm-hmm. that's the score, you know. Um, and but it, it's relatively, it's considered like by film historians, <laughs> um, one of Elmer Bernstein's, um, like best scores yeah. of all time. So well, you, you, you know, I, I I didn't know it was over Bernstein till like the end of the yeah. movie yeah. because like I was like this music sounds like Ghostbusters. And yeah. I was like, oh, it's Elmer Bernstein. Okay, yeah, yeah. all yeah. right. Guess yeah, guess. Yeah. guess why it sounds like Ghostbusters? Because yeah. it totally does. I like Ghostbusters yeah. in some scenes. Yeah. The, the the zither. Yeah, I mean, like he had just come up because, like, what? It's uh, year after Ghostbusters. Year. Yeah, year after Ghostbusters, and this is a couple yeah. of years after. Uh, trading places yeah so you know it's like you know yeah it's it's yeah people think people consider it one of his best scores um it's a really good score um it's you know it's just kind of non-existent overall in the film because the film's so just kind of quiet um but yeah it's it's good I, i i recommend just kind of um listen to it once on its own and just sort of really appreciate um how it is it's, it's genuinely a very good um, it got re-released they got re-released recently in like 2012 or something because it's, you know how I mean, disney stuff is they, 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 it's only been released twice it was released once in 85 and once in 2012 so well i mean just to tell you like you know about that score if you were considering it's one of his best works keep in mind Albert bernstein did the magnificent seven theme yeah so yeah, um, but yeah, so ooh. it's my son. Hey, he wandered in the room. <laughs> the, the, the Disney, uh, the Disney bread and butter children. <laughs> well, yeah, but not the black cauldron bread and butter. Yeah, no. Um, so yeah, and, and this is another one of those movies where. Um, it's been released on uh it's only been released like three times it's initial release it's like initial release an early dvd and then like an anniversary dvd like 25th (laughs) anniversary dvd yeah and like 25th anniversary dvd is the way to go yeah uh, if you find it, uh, I, I if you can get this movie for 10, 15 bucks, I recommend it. I think it's a neat. I think it's a very neat movie. Um, and the two thousand, the the anniversary set uh, fixes some stuff, and it's anamorphic, which the other DVD isn't. 
Uh, yeah, I went. I went uh, looking at Fye for a used copy of it because it's kind of hard to find. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because again, they, you know, two thousand and eight was the last release of this movie. You know, over a decade ago was mm-hmm. the last release of this movie on home video. I mean, you can get it digitally. I mean, that that's kind of not fun. <laughs> do you get the extras with the digital version though? I guess it depends on where you buy it. Sometimes you do. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah. So you know. Home video stuff, some good releases that um, it's got deleted scenes and stuff. I haven't ever watched the deleted scenes, so I actually don't know what uh, what's on there. <laughs> be good to be good to check out though. Yeah, um, theme park. Yeah, theme park. Here's Getting a... the legacy stuff. All right, this is fun. So, this is fun. This is fun. Um, so <coughs> initially, now, uh, like you know, we like to talk. Is, is there a ride? Um, no, but no, but there's just, there's an asterisk. There. First of all, they did have um, costume characters, just like every movie will have costume characters after its release. Um, Disney World did have a um, a place where you could eat uh, called Gurgi's Munchies and Crunchies. Uh, uh, that yeah, I could see that. Um, it, it's been. It's been renamed a bunch of times because it's just a little quick, a little easy thing. It was uh, they closed it and it became Lumiere's Kitchen, then the Village Fry Shop, and now it's Friar's Nook. Um, but that's all pales in comparison to what Tokyo Disneyland got. Um, it's, a year after this movie came out in the U.S., uh, Tokyo Disneyland uh, opened up an attraction in their castle. Um, they have a version of Cinderella's castle at Tokyo Disneyland. Um, and it was empty at first. There was nothing in there. Uh, there was a rumored attraction to go in there that was going to be like uh, uh, a castle walkthrough, fantasy castle walkthrough. And when it opened up, it came opened up as the Cinderella Castle Mystery Tour. Um, a very was, unassuming name. It you're makes, like, oh, it got the Beatles in it. Yeah, yeah, it's the magical mystery tour. Um, they're gonna, they're gonna sing. Uh, your mama should know. Your mother should know. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then, all you need is love. And then Mickey Mouse is gonna come out. <laughs> um, as the blue meanie. As the blue meanie. Yes. No. Um, yeah. So, so it, it's a walkthrough attraction that starts off as like a tour of the castle. Hey, here's our wall of heroes. And like it has, and it's funny to see it because like there's footage of it and uh, Defunct Land, uh, the YouTube channel that I've mentioned on here before, has a really good history of this attraction on it and has a lot of footage of it. And it's funny because like, it's like this wall of heroes and then the last picture is Taryn you're like wait what (laughs) yeah so like so like if you had no idea this existed and you're watching this um and you see Terrence's picture it's like black cauldron kid why is he and then quickly realized like oh that's why Uh, so it's so it starts off with that and then like the the uh, magic mirror appears in the ride or walkthrough uh, terrifying. I think Nick. I think Nick saw it too, so he can yes, attest. Yes, it it's is terrifying. Yeah, that's the uh, that's a bit it's, of it's, 
it's funny because it has like this um kabuki quality to it a little bit which you said like <laughs> japanese ghost houses are like a popular thing yeah so like yeah. just i mean just look at their films look at their horror films there's a lot of like it's it's all ghost stuff anyways yeah but apparently it was what was it it's uh, they 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 assumed that a Japanese actor would look out of place for the magic mirror, so they had a an American actor uh, phonetically lip syncing the lines, Japanese, lines, the Japanese yeah. lines in the makeup. So when they filmed it, it was like an it was an American face, but phonetically speaking, and dubbed over as Japanese. Yes, which is so, makes it more yeah. creepy. Yeah. Um, and apparently they had a walk around character based on the same on the magic mirror too. No, thank yeah. you. Which I'm like, no, I would it'd be like that episode of The Simpsons. This would just be I'd be I'd be arrested at itchy and scratchy. <laughs> so you're Mr. Older, magic Mirror, think you're yeah. God the gift of women, eh? <laughs> yeah. Your older, fatter, balder son has also been arrested. <laughs> um, Tear and drink the water. Yeah. But yeah, so, and then it goes through this, like, increasingly spookier ghost house until you get to the Horned King with his cauldron, literally threatening to kill the entire tour. And we're saying Horned King, a giant animatronic Horned yeah, King. A giant, full sized animatronic Horned King with a full sized cauldron in front of him, threatening to murder the entire audience. Like,. <laughs> Like, basically saying, I'm going to sacrifice all of you. Yeah. Not, I'm going to kill you, but yeah, it, the implications there. Yeah. We know how the Black Cauldron works. Um, so, and apparently that was, like, one of the things is, like, the tour itself, as the tour guide is going through there, is recounting the story of the Black Cauldron because nobody saw the Black Cauldron. <laughs> so he also had I'm going to give you some context for this terrifying thing about to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's, and so, and, like, it is a stunning piece of animatronics. It, it like it like I wish I could have seen it. Yeah, I would it have looks, loved to see it. It looks so good, and it's terrifying. Like the Horned King design is genuinely terrifying. Yes, it is, and it looks great. And there it is. <laughs> um, it's it, like you know, in reality, right there, threatening to murder you into the cauldron. <laughs> So let's have this young child. Let's give him the sword. Yeah. The master sword. Yeah. To save uh, us all. Yeah. So, you know, eventually that ride uh, closed down. Um, and in 2006, like, it had a 30 year run. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, the, uh, the, the Funkline video, did he say, like, it, it, you know, it costs, like, so much to maintain it? Yeah. And yeah. it was like, well, this is a movie that didn't do very well. Nobody remembers it. Why are we spending this money to like and on the upkeep and, of this ride? And at this point, by 2006, Tokyo Disney was in need of sort of revitalization, so it made sense to shut it down. Yeah. Um. But but and it's just been replaced with a with what the tour was supposed to be, <laughs> like the nice, you know tour of the castle like fantasy and everything's good and nice and lovely <laughs> and 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 not a, and not a uh a dio video yeah not just this super metal video <laughs> so uh so yeah an absolute crazy 
attraction was born of this, and I highly recommend searching out the uh, Defunct Land video on YouTube. It's fascinating. Um, when it was when we were, it was time to start like watching this movie, I sent that to Nick. I was like, "You have to watch this uh, just for this for just for the episode of the podcast. You're getting and, to see this." And all of this <laughs> made me want to go on that. Did see that experience? Yeah. Yeah, but unfortunately, it closed ten years over ten years ago. So, <laughs> I mean, you, you do you think that the Horn King animatronic is in mothballs somewhere? Uh, I, I doubt it. <laughs> or they just like because, repurposed the parts, or well, that's like it's Tokyo Disneyland, which isn't operated by Disney. Oh, the the Tokyo. It's the Tokyo uh, Land Company. Yeah. Operated, so I don't know if they have the same <laughs> reference to c- keeping that stuff around. They could. I don't know. I, I, or, I, or it could also it could also be you know America Sings, where it's like strip the skin off of it, put another coat over it, and then like make it a a droid in Galaxy's Edge somewhere or something. Yeah. It's like because what was it? It was uh the like the a couple of like the maintenance droids and the original star tours were like stripped gooses from like America sings the ones that didn't make it in the splash mountain. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I, I, I would like to think some, some executive is like, you know what? I'm taking it home. Taking it home. It's, or it's going to be like uh, the rock of fire explosion. We're just, Oh some God. Weirdo, some weirdo has it in a shed somewhere. And yeah, just, the, it, it's, it and the cauldron are just constantly running in his shed, and <laughs> he's he's he sings it up to Fergie's London Bridge. Yeah, <laughs> the the horned king demands you get down. Yes, and then, and then yeah, then the rock of fire explosion takes the stage and performs something from the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> but uh, video games, um, uh, I assume like most of the time, Kingdom Hearts. Uh, I don't. Yeah, uh, actually, this had a full-blown video game, and not, just, and not just a simple little like Nintendo, like vaguely themed at the time. Because it's 1985, it wasn't really a thing. But what was a thing was computer games, uh, <laughs> and Sierra made a uh, uh, Black Cauldron adventure game. This is their first licensed video game, right? Yes. Uh, it's like, and then it's like this and the Dark Crystal are like the only two that they <laughs> that they adapted, um, and it uh, it came out very very shortly because like if it's this is eighty it came out in eighty six yeah was the King's Quest from Sierra came out in uh, nineteen boy when did King's Quest come out huh probably eighty. 84. 84. I think okay. 84. Um, yeah, there probably we go. Put me on the spot there, sorry. May, May of 84, so yeah. So, you know, this is just a couple of years after King's Quest, so it's basically King's Quest. Um, uh, but, by the way, yeah. the uh, the game is a simple Google search. You can find it. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, a, it's a Sierra game. Sierra games are notorious, notoriously easy to find with a simple yeah. Google search in a fully playable space. You know, it was running off of an Apple II or yeah. MS-DOS. I'm pretty sure archive.org. Archive.org or whatever. Well, actually, <laughs> uh, or like, you know, 
Actually, it looks like you might be able to get it right off the Cirrus. Oh, never mind. <laughs> this is a fan <laughs> site, not the actual site. But yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, and it's, just, it's out there. It's, it's a movie. It's a game based off of the movie. And it has multiple endings. So it's... Uh, which is unique. Which was super unique. Like, you know, it was a big deal that Ma- Maniac Mansion had multiple endings. So um, this preceded Maniac Mansion or Day of the Tentacle. Yeah, I mean, if Maniac Mansion would have been 87. Yeah. So, you know, uh, so, yeah, it, like, yeah, and it's got really cool, it looks like, if you look at the cover for the, uh, looking at the cover for the Tandy version, it looks like almost like a, uh, like a book on tape ca- book cover or something, like almost it's, like, it's got that two-tone gradient cover kind of thing. That, like, 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 uh, like, Teddy Ruxpin books came like, you know, like. Oh, yeah. Well, which kind of, which, yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it actually kind of reminds me, um, as far as merch, I, for whatever reason, because I didn't see this movie when it came out. Yeah. I had the storybook, like the, the you know, the, back in the 80s, Disney did a yeah. bunch of the kids' yeah. story picture books. And I had this for reasons that I cannot explain. <laughs> because it was a Disney something, and I'm certain. Yeah. A, a, a relative got it. From you. A relative got it, or you saw the Disney logo as a kid and wanted yeah. it, or something. You know, there's always different. Like, you know, I have weird books on tape that still float around. I have uh, a book on tape that is Super Mario Brothers. Okay, but it's the um, uh, the car- not the car- the comic books. Yes. So it's an audio uh, adaption of the Super Mario Brothers comic books on tape. And I'm like, it makes no, like, it's terrible. Which I believe is your pinned tweet, is it not? It is my pinned tweet. If you go yes. to the underscore double underscore J, it is still my pinned tweet. I so it's there. I took tape and ripped it. And I, it's probably the only copy of this on the internet. So if you ever stumble upon my Twitter page, it's, it's there for you to listen to. And it's, um, it's very fun. Like I, uh, I have, like I would love. I was looking on eBay for kind of stuff for this movie. Just look at merch so we could talk about it. Um, which is I guess as good as place any. Uh, there's none. I mean, there is some, but like one of them was the book on tape for this thing, like with the right. storybook and a cassette tape of it. And I'm like, I want to get that. <laughs> I yeah. kind of want to hear what that's like. So I'm probably going to end up buying that. It's not expensive. Um. um and then the other piece of another piece of merch that is going to be a theme on a couple episodes oh, for, yeah. for a while, Happy Meal Toys. Happy Meal Toys. It was that part. Uh, it was that era of Happy Meal Toys, where it was a character on top of the VHS box. Yeah, that you could. I think it was like a hook. Happy Birthday Happy Meals. They were called, or what Something they were. Like that. Yeah. yeah, maybe. And 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 they were designed to be like trains, so they hooked yeah. together, so you could like, so they could like, you know. Be like a parade situation going on. Uh, uh, so yeah, Robin Gurgi, Hood is one of them. Yeah, yeah. So Gurgi, it's Gurgi. Yeah, they made the toy of all characters. Gurgi, and it is the goofiest face on Gurgi. He's like, ah, <laughs> yeah. I have an apple. Yeah, eyes wide open. He's just like, hey guys, want an apple? <laughs> uh, so JD and I love half meal merch, but yeah. this is one I will pass on i don't know i may get it if, no. if, yeah <laughs> just because you're you yeah all um, right there were also plushes i saw plushes of gurgi henwen and uh one of the fair folk 
okay. that, the, that the Disney store was selling at the time. Um, and they're kind of nice. I, I saw, I saw like three of them were in like, uh, like baby cradles. Okay. Like, like they were tucked into beds or something. It's like, it's like cute little things. I mean, they're old. They have the old like pink and blue neon Disney store logos on them. So you, know, oh, good you, can, Lord. Pinpoint, so you can pinpoint exactly when these things What year out. that was, you know? Uh, <laughs> so, I think I sent you a text during the movie like, I need action figures of this film. I would, I would absolutely love, uh, if nothing else, I would love a Horned King like statue figurine or anything anything horned king i i want a i want a horn king figure in the side in style of like a marvel legend or like a star wars black series or even a fig arts i well i i was thinking like um like a premium because like they like they make kingdom hearts stuff for like yeah like there are like um diamond select kingdom hearts figures and stuff that i saw Mm -hmm. And like that'd be cool. So it was like Horned King and Kingdom Hearts something, whatever, and with with Sora. Yeah, it, and it should be. I I would love just to have it like be like electronic and make sounds or <laughs> yeah. just. It would be cool to have like one of those like old like plastic like statue things where you like push a button and it's it's a little rattly but it makes sounds and yeah. stuff and like. <laughs> The Horned King standing behind the cauldron, like yelling while the cauldron lights up green and he's moving. Or so it's basically like one of those old singing Pepsi cans. Yeah. Yeah. You, you turn. It's like that dancing group that I have where, yeah. yeah, you can push a button and he just like recites lines from the, or like starts dancing to, in this group, in this group case, he starts dancing to, I want you back. But you can also flip the switch and have him dance to whatever music you're playing. So. <laughs> So, same thing. You can just have the Horned King performing lines, or you can just have him grooving out to, you know, uh, uh, ELO or something. I don't know. Whatever Horn. I don't know what the Horned King's into. One of those Christopher Lee metal albums. I, I, yeah. I feel like, I feel like the, the, the Horned King would be into some like dark metal. Yeah. So, so one of the Christopher Lee metal albums. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why the Chris. I think the Chris. I think he would appreciate the vocal silence of Christopher Lee. I feel like John Hurt. <laughs> John Hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's it's. I mean, I get why there's no merch or there's, there's not a lot of merch. I get why there's like Disney absolutely hates this movie. It's like, it's to put it in perspective, people. This movie is Disney's Star Wars holiday special. Yeah. Except they're not actively trying to destroy it; they're just flushing, pushing it under the rug. It's like we did; they did put it out on DVD. Twice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Although technically now the Star Wars Holiday Special is Disney's Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're the only thing they have released officially one part of the Star Wars Holiday Special on disc. Um, the Boba Fett short. They put the Boba Fett cartoon on the Blu-ray box set. Yeah, all the stuff. So, yeah, like, part of it is released officially. So, so, like, so you know they have it. Yeah, it, it it exists in a high definition format, which is the goofiest which, thing in the world to me. Like, it's like, so you have the cartoon and you cleaned it up. <laughs> so you're like, saying I'm not gonna have to be able, I'm not gonna have to watch the uh, 
uh, Rift Tracks version of the, 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 the VHS rip with like the GM Motors uh, commercial. Union. Yeah, yeah the, union. GM, the, the Motor Union commercial. Yeah. Automakers of America. Yeah, just like and like you know Packard Bell commercials yeah. and yeah. Jackie Robinson chocolate bars. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. No, no, Jack, uh, uh, Reggie Jackson. <laughs> Reggie Jackson, that's what. Yeah, the yeah. Reggie bar. The Reggie bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, boy, that's, uh, <laughs> we're not going to talk about it. That's, <laughs> I can't make it through the holiday special anymore. I can only, I'll, I can only watch it through Rift Tracks, but I yeah. still, I still make my wife watch it with me. Just, every... just, that's her punishment for getting married to you? Is you yeah. It's, Enjoy, like here's this nerdy crap I watch, and here's the crappiest of the crap. Yeah. So, like, you knew what you were getting into, and I just want to remind you of that. Yeah. I told you on on our first date, I have a lot of GI Joes, so that's your red flag. <laughs> I mean, look, this is 1985. Think about GI Joe at the point. Uh, oh God. Well, this is like golden age of cartoons. Yeah, this is so sad, isn't it? The golden age of cartoons, and this is the Disney movie that came out. Well, like you know, it's you know, what's funny is like, like the undead army of of the of the Horn King. Yeah. It's like God, those those remind me of something. And then I saw another movie that came out this this year was a Garfield Halloween special. Like they look at the freaking pirate ghost from Garfield Halloween. It's completely true, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about so this is 1985. As we're saying, this is 1985 is, I mean, it's a year and a half for movies. I mean, like yeah. this is a fantastic year for film. Let's run down the top ten highest-grossing films of the year, shall we? Yes, let's do that. The number one highest-grossing movie of the year is Back to the Future, uh, which. Yeah, already setting the bar pretty high. Yeah, I, and that movie made two hundred and ten million dollars domestic gross. Uh, and I bet you it cost almost as much as Black Cauldron. Yeah, what 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 is its budget? Oh no, it cost less than the Black Cauldron. Holy it has, cats! It had a budget of nineteen million dollars. The Black so, Cauldron, remember, forty four million dollars. Forty four million dollars. Rambo, First Blood Part 2. Not the uh, best Rambo, but a good sequel. Yeah. Uh, $26 million budget made $300 million, you know, uh, worldwide. Uh, $150 million domestic. Rocky Four, Sylvester Stallone having a very good year. <laughs> uh, easily my favorite Rocky. Yes. I think we, I think we, that's something we agree on. It's, I don't think it's the best Rocky. No, but it's my favorite. <laughs> but my favorite Rocky. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Rocky Four. With how much was did it cost to make Rocky Four? Twenty eight million dollars. Okay. Sure. Uh, the color purple. Uh, critically acclaimed. Critically acclaimed. Fifteen million dollar budget. <laughs> made a hundred. Made a ninety four million. Out now of a Af- lo- yeah. musical. Yeah. Out of Africa, which was the uh, Academy Award winner for that year. Uh, so you know. Huge movie with uh, um, Robert Redford and Meryl Streep. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, a power couple in Hollywood, you know? <laughs> so, uh, Cocoon. The uh, uh, very sweet movie. Very sweet. 
it's always funny because it's a fantasy comedy drama film. And I'm like, okay, I, I guess it's funny. <laughs> but I wouldn't really dub it. It just happens to be funny more than it is. You know, like, it's, just, it's there. Yeah, it's a Ron Howard movie. So. Oh, okay, well, there you go. With Wilford Brimley in it, which you can't. <laughs> it's it's the one you think is batteries not included. Yeah, I and, and there's a sequel to Cocoon. It's Cocoon two, which Why? I always forget. Which I always forget about. I'm like, oh yeah, there's Cocoon two, isn't there? Oh no, with Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> yeah, he was a Coming thing. Back. Yeah, remember Steve Gutenberg? He was in everything in the '80s. There's yeah. uh, Jewel of the Nile. Yep. The, the sequel to the hit of Mancing the Stone. Um, so it's, uh, you know, there you go. Got Witness. Uh, the, Amish Terrison Ford. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Goonies, a little movie that some people know about. <laughs> $19 million budget for the Goonies. Wow. All that pirate ship, too. Yeah. Think about like the Goonies and the Black Cauldron. Like, like what, once you get to the pirate ship and the Goonies, like you know, you could put the Black Cauldron in that set. And it, yeah. <laughs> yep. And rounding out the top ten movies of the year, budget wise, is uh, Spies Like Us, which so an underrated movie, underrated comedy. Um, Sidney Pollock won for best director. For uh, out of Africa, William Hurt, the other Hurt that I thought it's like when you it's like oh no, not William Hurt, John Hurt is in Black Cauldron. William, William Hurt, Hurt is is in Kiss of the Spider Woman. So, William Hurt's <laughs> the dad from Beethoven. Yeah, I think uh, does him. Yes, probably, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, uh, you have Whoopi Goldberg won the best. Uh, Actress Golden Globe that year for, for Color Purple, Color Purple and uh, Prizzy's Honor was a big movie that year uh, with Jack Nicholson and uh, the Golden Raz. Here's the Golden Raspberry Awards, uh, uh, absolutely swept by uh, Sylvester Stallone that year. So <laughs> how dare they? Uh, worst picture, Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Worst director, Sylvester Stallone for Rocky Four. Worst actor, Sylvester Stallone for his roles in Rambo: Part First Blood Part Two and Rocky Four. Worst actress is Linda Blair. So you know he gets his uh, uh he gets a reprieve. Was there um, another Was there another Exorcist movie that year? Why was she? Uh, she because she was in Night Patrol, Savage Island, and Savage Streets. So she's a string of terrible uh, films. J- yeah. JJ, you, uh, you know what movie? Uh, okay, so think there's another movie that came out the same year as this, and it does the whole fantasy thing much better with a big scary villain. Yeah, Legend. Yes, Legend comes out this year. Yeah, Legend comes out the same year. Also, to round up everything, Rob Lowe won Worst Supporting Actor for Saint Elmo's Fire. Brigitte Nels- Nielsen won for uh, Best Worst Supporting Actress for Rocky Four. Oh, they can share their awards. Uh, worst screenplay was shared by Sylvester Stallone and James Cameron for uh, First Blood Part Two. Yes, everyone, remember James Cameron co-wrote First Blood Part Two with Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> James Cameron did other movies besides Titanic and Avatar. People, yeah. 
Uh, James Cameron used to be involved with great movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like First Blood Part <laughs> And Terminator. And and worst news star, Brigitte Nielsen, for uh, her role in Rocky IV and Red Sanjo. So I feel like that's accurate. That's accurate. Yeah, uh, I, that that was rightfully earned. I do not agree. I have. I, I do have, not agree. I do not agree with dragging Sylvester Stallone through the mud like this. <laughs> there's plenty of things you should drag him for, but Rocky IV is not one of those things. <laughs> Even First Blood's like perfectly fine action movie. I don't know what you're looking for. Yeah, <laughs> the Murdoch, I'm coming for you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's some fun, some great movies in it. He's been like Legend. Uh, the Care Bears movie, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, Brazil came out this year. The Breakfast Club came out this year. Um, uh, just like nerdy stuff that, you know, like, yeah. like, did you ever talk about like Reanimator comes out this year? Yeah. And... Clue. Clue comes Clue. out. Clue. Clue's, you want to talk about underrated movies? Clue rules. There is a, there's another movie that came out in 85 that I enjoy. Commander? And I might be, no, well, yes. <laughs> that movie's called Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. There you go. Yeah, that's a just a yeah. Day of Day of the Dead, Death Wish Three, uh, Ewok: The Battle for Endor. <laughs> you would watch that movie and you wish you you get a Death Wish. Fletch. I love Fletch. Friday the Thirteenth: The New Beginning, the Jason movie without Jason. Oh, that's <laughs> the one with uh, Corey Feldman. Yeah. Yeah. Fright Night. Fright Fright Night's great. Ghoulies is great. Jim Cotta. Not so great. (laughs) The Hills Has Eyes Part 2. The Howling 2. Just One of the Guys, which (laughs) is one of those 80s movies that can only exist in the time it came out. Like Soul Man. (laughs) It's just... what was the one? Oh, you t- you t- we talked about there. Uh, Santa Claus the movie. Santa Claus the movie. Yeah. Which for some reason my parents took me to. Uh, <laughs> Life Force, a Toby Hooper uh, nude space vampire movie. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, you mean the sequel to Gradius? <laughs> uh, a classic, uh, the classic Tina Turner vehicle, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> we don't need another hero. Yeah. And and mercifully, the final Roger Moore James Bond movie, yeah, V Two a Kill. Blessed, let uh, blessed be a V Two a Kill. <laughs> there, there, there are a few things JJ and I like have like conflict over, but my complete dis- disdain for Roger Moore is Bond. <laughs> Bond is one of them. <laughs> yes, uh, Mask came out that year. You know, the sh- that's uh, that was that's, a big movie. Um, uh, there was something else that we were talking about off the Return air. Return of the uh, Living Dead? Return of the Living Dead. My, yeah. w- like, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. The second most important zombie movie ever made. It's... It, it, it kind of like... It's... It's it's kind of like in the same vein as Black Cauldron as far as dark nonsense, but... Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a nonsensical movie. Uh, it's, a, it's a black comedy... But it's also, you know how we know that uh, uh, zombies eat brains? That's it's from this movie. this movie. It's the only, that's where that came from. Zombies eat brains because of Return of the Living Dead. Send uh, more cops. 
it is i i, I would if you're gonna watch the black cauldron go ahead watch the black cauldron but also watch return of the living dead <laughs> like, yeah why not if you want some undead like yeah, yeah. If you want to see a movie with zombies in it, watch this, but then also watch Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. <laughs> or if you want to be truly terrified, you can watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Year. And yeah. tell them Large Marge sent you. Tell them Large Marge sent you, exactly. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 came out this year. Um, Which, I I like part two. Yeah, part two's that, fine. That whole barbecue scene is kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Police Academy Two, woohoo! Oh, uh, yeah. a rainbow, yeah, a rainbow bright movie came out this year. Uh, uh, this also the same movie that uh, Keeman and Shiva's Seeker of the Sword came out. There you go. Uh, Follow that bird came out. Follow that bird. That uh, uh, that that creepy Mark Twain vinyl ma- uh, stop motion. Thing. Yep. Uh, truly, the most terrifying movie of the year came out this year was uh, Return to Oz. <laughs> Damn Jabberwocky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 1985 had just a lot of stuff. A lot of good stuff and bad stuff and terrible and, stuff. And so we, we lift these movies off just not because we're nerds, but also because you think about what Black Cauldron's up against. In addition yeah. to production issues, it has yeah. to compete with like a murderer's row of like entertainment bands. Of, of like, we read, when we ran off those like top 10. Like, think about every movie in there. Like, every single one of those still is, like, recognized. Yeah. Like, Spies spies Like Us, not as much as some of the others. And as I said, I think Jewel of the Nile is probably more, like, Romancing the Stone is the recognized one. You probably, if you say Jewel of the Nile, it's like, well, then what's Jewel of the Nile? The sequel to Romancing the Stone. Oh, yeah, that's right. They made a sequel to Jewel of the Nile. I mean, but think about, like, just the monster hit Back to the Future was. Yeah. Hey, Nick, I'm looking yeah. at I'm looking at a view to a kill right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. First of all, everyone, never watch a view to a kill. Don't do uh, that. It is an incredibly old man trying to be James Bond, and it features Grace Jones and Christopher Walken. Um it's oh and, and, and and a blimp. There's a blimp is prominently featured. <laughs> it's it's absolutely terrible. It's not uh, good. Yeah. Uh, also, it costs $30 million to make. Oh, God. $14 million less than the Black Cauldron. JJ, uh, when did you say Black Cauldron came out? Uh, July of 85. Do you know what else came out in July of 85? What came out in July of 85? Back to the Future. <laughs> Death sentence. <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, a new James Bond movie comes out in uh, June of '85. So. Yeah, so Back to the Future came out in July 3rd, 1985. Yeah, so, so and Black, Black Cauldron had no chance. And Black Cauldron came out like uh, July 24th, so like two yeah. weeks later, Black Cauldron dead, dead on arrival, dead. Yeah, and let's see, when did the Care Bears movie come out? That came out in March of '85, so <laughs> it's already come and gone, probably. Yeah, it's come and gone. So at least there's that. <laughs> at least there's yeah, that. it's like, oh, okay. Hey, We're guess, how, guess what the budget for the Care Bears movie was? Five million dollars. Two million dollars. Okay. <laughs> so. And it made how much now? 
thirty-four million dollars. Okay. That's overall, I think it made twenty-three million domestically. Which... So, Black Holder just said abject failure across yeah. the board. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it was. It's and it's not a horrible movie. No, it's, it's better than some of the other stuff we've talked about on here. It's better than last week's movie. That's better for damn than last sure. Week's movie, and you know, it's. I I don't hold a grudge to this movie. It tried. <laughs> it tried something different. It tried to be not a Disney movie. I think it helped <laughs> going into it with like lower expectations and you know. Yeah. Um, I just typed in uh, cartoons of 1985 because I want to know what was on TV in 1985. Uh, <laughs> Everything awesome. Uh, mobile Zo- mobile suit Zeta Gundam. That doesn't that wasn't in America. But I just I was very excited to see that was <laughs> came out. So much anime came out in the eighties. Like oh, like uh, next- uh, Kanuka Man, I think came out too. <laughs> Dirty Pair came out in nineteen eighty five. I mean, come on, the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo, the Bernstein yep. Bears, the Care Bears. Yep, this is like you have at this point on television. Uh, I'm looking at this right now. Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bears. Yeah, like, 85. That was a big That was a big series. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Transformers and G.I. Joe and Thundercats. G.I. Joe, Real America. She-ra. Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. There you go. Gem. Gem. Great, great theme song. Not a good yeah. show. Great theme song. M- Mask. Underrated TV show, which is weird. It came out the same year as the Rocky Dennis mask. Yeah. She-Ra, Princess of Power. Yep. Star Wars droids and Star Wars Ewoks. Uh, it had a serial. That's one thing it did. <laughs> Thundercats. And I... The, oh, the Galactic Guardians yeah. DC animated series. Jeez, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know... I like it. The world, they, like, the world was fully engrossed in afternoon cartoons in 1985. Yeah, <laughs> and doing it better than Disney did here. Yeah, and like, even Disney, Disney doing it better with Gummy yeah, Bears. Disney was doing better cartoons on TV than they were mm-hmm. in theaters. Um, so, like, what, like you know, Disney's trying to find its spot in history at this point. Like, they've lost. They've got a new. They've got new ownership or leadership. You know, they they're coming off a string of not necessarily failures, but non-successes. That's for sure. Well, I mean, we, um, we talked about like how like two years prior to this, Mickey's Christmas Carol came out. Yeah, which we um, loved. Yeah. So, I, I, well, I mean, Return to Oz came out in '85, which was a Disney movie, right? Um. Is the Disney okay. Channel out at this point? Is that uh, a, is that a... I don't. I don't think so. Okay. Um, but I may be very, very wrong about that. Um, Nineteen eighty-five in Disney. So you had a Fantasia re-release in nineteen eighty-five. Um, Return to Oz, Black Cauldron. Uh. 101 Dalmatians reissue. Right. So that, so they're making some money with yeah. those, probably. Yeah, so, uh, and on TV, you have the Wuzzles and the Gummy Bears. Uh, so. is, is Fraggle Rock out yet? 
at this point. Right? Don't oh, it's not Disney. That's Disney. That's still Jim Henson Studios. Still Jim Henson, so it would be Disney now, but not. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and let's see what came out on video. So, oh, jeez. That's unfortunate. So the week before this came out, Black Cauldron came out in theaters, they released Pinocchio on VHS. Okay, yeah. Oh, so they, man. So they almost undercut their own. Yeah, boy. I mean, this is 1985 VHS, so that was like $300, but... <laughs> yeah, but you rented it. Yeah. Also, also this year, nineteen eighty five, um, you the computer wore tennis shoes came out on VHS. So did Dumbo, the Black Hole, Mary Poppins, Peach, Peach Dragon, Oh no, the Love Bug, Tron, Names in Toyland, Swiss pa- Family Robinson, Mickey's Christmas Carol came out on oh, VHS. This God. Year. Uh, so yeah, so they weren't banking on this movie to save them, were they? But they, but like the animation studio was, I don't think yeah. the studio itself was, because Michael, I, because this was a minute, this would have been the point where, um, <coughs> if I'm not Pinocchio, if I'm if if I'm remembering it right, uh, I think that's supposed to be like one of the first VHS tapes they put out of uh, animated feature film. Yeah, and '85 would have been like the perfect uh, timing for mm-hmm. that. So yeah, I don't know. So uh, yeah. So yeah, you know, Eisner was about spending as little as possible to make as much as possible. So. But it's smart. Like, Hey, let's release this stuff that we know people like. Yeah. Um, they, they were testing the, the waters in some cases with some of this stuff. So like, there's a reason why the first VHS tapes weren't, um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves or um, Fantasia or anything like Lillian Disney didn't let Fantasia become didn't get released because it was Walt's like personal like that was his baby film and they could make a they didn't know like you might be undercutting so put out something that didn't make a lot of money in the first place or something stuff like that so um, it's like because they were still worried that if you did that people weren't going to go to the re-releases um that was quickly proven wrong that people bought the videos and still went to the re-releases. Yep. So that's when you start seeing like, all right, just start throwing them out there. Start putting out the real ones. So, um, yeah. So, you know, this movie almost killed the studio, but luckily they had a couple of, couple of projects in the hopper. Um, <laughs> Uh, Which kind of bailed them out. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the next one does really well. Uh, but also it didn't cost $44 million. And uh, the one after that does very well. And then you start hitting, oh, now you're making serious dollars. In about four years, the turnaround is going to be dramatic. Yes. By the time you hit 1989... Uh, it becomes a whole new ball game for the studio. Yeah, we're so, back. Yeah, so there you go. Exciting stuff. Um, so you ready to rank it, Nick? Let's rank it. All right, Nick. How about Robin Hood? It, I don't like it as much. I don't like it as much. No. Jungle Book. No. Sword in the Stone. No. Winnie the Pooh. No. Dumbo. No. Fantasia? No. 
Cinderella? Yes. You like it more than Cinderella? I like it better than Cinderella. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Like, I I love the animation of this movie. <laughs> yeah, story issues aside, like, there's a lot going for it. And I, I feel like I was kind of rooting for this movie. Does that make sense? As I'm yeah, watching it. Like, as I'm you're watching like, it and with having no like, real frame of reference of what the like, movie really is. Oh, man. It's like, it's just, you, yeah. you can tell it's there. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't think, and this movie didn't come with a short film. Um, I don't think they do shorts for quite a while after this. So I think, I don't think you get another short until Rescuers Down Under. Okay. So I I feel like it's high on my list, but I kind of thought it might be. Yeah. All right. So let's see. For me, not as much as Jungle Book, not as much as Fantasia, not as much as Winnie the Pooh. Worse than Cinderella, Snow White, Peter Pan. I like it. I like Robin Hood more. I like this more than 101 Dalmatians. Wow. So it's so, it's cracking both our top tens, isn't it? Yeah. I you know, despite the story issues, I still think it's very fun. It's a very fun watch. It's it, and it, it does visually it does have a, it does have a story and it resol- it has a resolution. It may be a dumb story and sort of poorly pieced together and I, I you know I, I think it's fine so for me it's one two three four five six seven eight nine mm-hmm. one two three four five six seven for you that's so it's in our it's in our top 10 for both of us i so despite what you might have heard like it, it we kind of like this movie yeah there's a lot to like about this movie. It's it's an underdog movie. Like you said, you're rooting for it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Like it's it's like Rocky 2. It's like uh, you know, it's may not be as good as the first one. Yeah. <laughs> this may not be as good as some of the previous Disney stuff, but it's still the heart is still there. It's trying. It's trying. It's trying so hard, but it's not as bad as its reputation would lead you to, would lead you to believe. Yeah, yeah. I, it's 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 like oh, it's terrible. And like, you, no, I, you I've heard from watch it. I've heard from more than one person that this is their favorite Disney movie, which is surprising. Um, I don't think I could ever make it my favorite Disney movie. No, 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 but no, no. but I can also get it, especially if this came out in 1985. Like you know, it, especially for some of these people I would have talked to. You know, this would have, you know, already been in their house, probably, or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, you know, I mean, you said this is the first Disney movie released when you were alive, right? Yes. Uh, I was born in May of 85, and this came out in July of 85. So. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, uh, also during the research of this, we also uh, learned that uh, <laughs> we pinpointed. Speaking of birthdays that we pinpointed thanks to the research for this movie that the Ferris Bueller's Day Off takes place on your birthday in 1985. Yep. <laughs> on your fifth birthday. It's well, just one of those just one of those things, one of those happy little coincidences that we've discovered while we learning some of the stuff. And nothing else that makes me happy. Yeah. So and yes, and Ferris Bueller comes out next year, I think, eighty six. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. So there you go. Uh next week is the Great Mouse Detective. Um, it comes out summer of 86. 
Uh, so quick turnaround on films for the studio this year. But again, they were working on them at the same time. And Black Cauldron ran into issues. So this, that's bound to happen, <laughs> especially when you especially when you need to make money back on, on the animation studio. So um, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Great Mouse Detective because I don't know that I've ever seen it. Yeah, it's based on uh, Basil of Baker Street um, and Sherlock Holmes. It's like a yeah. hybrid of those two. Um, which, you know, Basil Baker Street is basically a hybrid of Sherlock Holmes <laughs> already. So. Yeah. I mean, he's got the Deerstalker and the whole gear, so yeah. Yeah, so um, it, it's very... It's it's exciting. It's it's actually been relatively recently since I've seen um, The Great Mass Detective because it was one of those movies when I was... It was, it's one of those movies that sort of struck me when I was coming up with the idea for a Disney podcast and I'm watching it and I'm like, this movie is super fun. I don't think anyone's seen it <laughs> in the like, now, decades. So it, it got a Blu-ray release, um, but it, but right before they were including digital copies. Yeah. Yeah. So. But I think you, I think you walk into a Best Buy right now and pick it up. Yeah, it's a very recent release too. So yeah, um, so yeah, 2015 or something. I think something like that. Certainly easier to come across than this than the one we just spoke about because yes, uh, wow, that yeah. was uh, not fun. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so yes, next week the Great Mouse Detective. Uh, look forward to it. Uh, it. It won't be as long as this episode. We promise. There's, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot less. There's a lot less to unpack with uh, the Great Mouse Detective, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and and far less, um, far less like awful production issues. Yeah, <laughs> it has its fair share of production issues. It's but. just a fun movie, apparently. So, and and this movie comes out the year after Young Sherlock Holmes, so uh, that there's a reason why it's called the great mouse detective. So <laughs> there, yeah. so there we go. Yep. There we go. Uh, until then, thanks again for joining us and have a magical day. Bye.